Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here on a Tuesday afternoon, Jamie Rivers, Danny Mack. What's up, Jamie? How you doing? I'm Andrew doing Marsh, great. How you doing? I'm doing good. Marshy got a nice sweatshirt on. Did you get that uh, for Christmas? I did. I got this this new hat for Christmas. This blues sweatshirt for Christmas. A lot of goodies over the weekend. Well, if you're interested in seeing Marshy's sweatshirt, all you got to do is tune into the YouTube channel brought to you by Air Alliance Team. Check that out. He's looking fresh. Mm. Yeah. So, how was the holidays, guys? I mean, it was great. Yeah. I mean, we're the only ones back to work that I see. What are you talking about? I, this place is buzzing, <laughs> and busting, and buzzing with people. It's like a ghost town. It, there's nobody here. Did I not get the memo? Like, <laughs> how come you guys didn't do like a best of for the week? Well, I wanted to, but apparently we don't have that many good things to talk about. <laughs> 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 the best of got rejected. Damn it. So, it was a good Christmas, yeah. though. It was good. Yeah, I mean, like you, Jamie, we got kids. Having the kids around, it's fun. You know, it's just uh, it's the holiday season, all that good stuff. It was a good weekend of sports, so good weekend all um, all across the board. Good. How now, about you? So, well, me, it was good. We had, uh, we had the game on, I don't know what day of the week that was now, the 23rd. Friday, I think, right? Friday, yeah, sure. Friday and twenty fourth was Saturday, twenty fifth Sunday, twenty. The Blues, no, yeah. Blues game. I think Saturday. it was Saturday. Yeah, Saturday? it was Saturday. I don't even know what day it is. It was a Saturday. You're right, Andrew. I thought Saturday was Christmas Eve. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I came in here to get nasty, I forgot what day of the week it was. <laughs> is that why you paused? It is for Tuesday. Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah. Why I paused. I was trying to do quick math in my head. I'm like, what's today? What's today? Let's get nasty on a yeah. On I a almost week said let's, on a weekday. I almost said let's get nasty today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we had the game, and I had all the kids at the house following the game. Uh, I always have a one simple request is that uh, on the night, because we celebrated Christmas Eve was our Christmas day, just because of the kids with their mother and things like that. So on the 23rd was like our Christmas Eve, and I always have a thing on Christmas Eve to where and it's not a big ask. Because I know the attention spans of the world, I mean, they are not there. Mm. My ask is that we all get together. Everybody spends the night at my house. So we wake up in the morning together as a group. And that we watch the Grinch cartoon. The original. The OG. The cartoon. The original. Like Not the, the Jim Carrey. No. I don't mind Jim Carrey. So it's not it's pretty like good. I, it's not like I'm against it. But it's like a 24-minute long cartoon. And it's just greatness the whole thing he's such a miserable person that it's like, <laughs> it's just like it, it just gets me to giggle um and so we we put all that together and then we woke up the next day and had a great christmas and great brunch and 
all that stuff. You know, I'm I'm not real happy right now because Marshy was supposed to come over for uh, uh, for Christmas. What? You've missed it. So on Thanksgiving, mm. he was supposed to come over. He was invited. Clean slate. Come mm-hmm. on over. Wow. Have uh, turkey and all the fixings. Didn't show. So then on Christmas, I said, hey, <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome to come over for Christmas. Yeah. Hang out with the kids. Open some presents. We'll help you out. We'll get you some stuff. Maybe another blue sweater. Ooh. <laughs> North Dakota pond hockey hat. Oh, yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Nice little corduroy hat. No show. No show again by Marshy. You know, Mar- I, Marshy, I, you got to explain yourself. I know. What's, I, what, what's wrong with Danny Mac's home? Nothing wrong. Nothing's wrong with Danny Mac's home. I, I had a long weekend of just bouncing around to different houses, going from, you know, Alton, Illinois, all the way out to Chesterfield, back to, you know, over here and then downtown and just all sorts of different places I had to go. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to stop by Danny Mac's house over the weekend. I almost photoshopped a picture of me and Danny Mac, though, and I would have threw it on Twitter. Christmas but tree, yeah, presents. Everything, yeah. It would have been me and Danny Mac and all the little, the little critters from... Uh, you my know, family? The, the, no, the, the Rudolph <laughs> movie. Say, my goodness. What's the, what's the, the Rudolph? random misfit toys? Yeah, so it, yeah, it would have been all those little guys hanging out with me and Danny Mac. So, so Danny, let me ask you this, honestly, because uh, this kind of feels like it's part of the joke at this point. What happens next time when Marshy actually shows up? <laughs> oh, my kids would be like locking doors, you know. Like, Who's this guy with the mustache? Who the hell is here on Christmas? Marshy shows up, decked out from head to toe. It depends, though. If he had a handful of presents, yeah, come on in. But, yeah, exactly. but you didn't ask him for presents. <laughs> we said, we would love over. you. Oh, he'd have to bring something, you know. Maybe he'd bring a, I don't know, a housewarming gift for. Yeah, I just bring some present. food, you know, or bring a couple presents for the kids. Yeah. It'd have been fine. Oh, you know, man. come on I in, Marshy. I just think it'd be hilarious because you you inviting him to all these things, not expecting it, and then. You're roaming around in your robe and your slippers because you walk around the house. Oh, yeah, my smoking jacket. Yeah, and uh, yeah. then you get the, the bing bong. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, crap, he's here. You I'm know, here. February is a, um, a busy time in the old McLaughlin household. I think we have three birthdays. And uh, you got Valentine's Day. So, Marsha, you're invited to the birthday parties, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Come on over. Day. Okay. Yeah. I Bring feel, a gift, but yeah. not for my wife. I was going to say, I feel like Marshy showing up with one Valentine just for your wife would be really funny content. It'd be a little awkward. <laughs> totally awkward, and I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. Speaking of food, though, I ate way too much food this weekend. What's your favorite food at, at holiday time, Marshy? Because uh, like, obviously, with Thanksgiving with is, is turkey. Like We get that, right? Yeah. So, but everybody's got a different version for the Duck, holidays slash Christmas. Turkey... I, am I really like the uh, the and we we my family does this every year, but we do a uh, breakfast casserole, okay, and some cinnamon rolls, okay. That's like I get behind that. our go to thing for the for the morning. So I got to go with that. I mean that's a that's a staple with my family. So I got I got to give credit to uh, well actually my my mom didn't make it this year. My sister in law did. Ooh, so was it was it pretty good? good. Oh, it was super good. Yeah, that's the right answer. It was really good. So. You get along with the uh, sister in law, buddy. You better oh, yeah. say yes. <laughs> well, my my brother they've been they've been together since high school. So that's okay. not an answer. 
Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> we get along great. There you go. Danny, what's the food of choice for you guys over at the McLaughlin uh, household? We did a brunch. Did you? Yeah, we did a brunch. Did you have Gordon Ramsay come in and cook it for no, you? No, we did not. I could see you doing that. We did, Actually, on uh, Christmas Eve, we went to El Belago downstairs. Ooh. It was nice. Had great, great dinner on uh, Christmas Eve, and then we, we celebrate Christmas. Santa comes... Uh, we opened up presents on Christmas morning and then went over to my brother's. He had a big brunch set up and hung out after that, went home, watched a bunch of football, and it was a good day. Awesome. Good day. We did uh, what's become a thing in the last couple of years is uh, my girlfriend Ashley does a crepe bar. So oh. it's a brunch. So we have hash browns. We have all the other like brunch stuff, but the, the, the main character is crepes. What is a crepe? So mm. it's like a really, really thin, thin pancake. Like it's, it's like a tortilla, but like yeah. even thinner mm. and you cook it and you pull it out and you just fill it with like, there's cream cheese filling, there's fruit, there's all sorts of things you can put in there. You can make it a, an egg, ham and cheese inside of it. Like it's, it's basically like Subway. So it, what's your go-to? You, so, well, yeah. Cause then, you know, you pick your bread Subway. and then you go through the line and like figure <laughs> right. out what you want on it. You can kind of do the same thing at the Rivers household. And my, my go-to is. The first one's always scrambled eggs, ham, and cheese inside of there. And then the next one will be like blueberries and strawberries oh. with like some whipped cream in there too. Then we, we get nasty at that point. So you double down. Yeah. A couple oh, yeah. different trips during well, the uh, real brunch filling, line. Um, but they're good. And then I'm a sucker for hash brown patties. Mm, like, but they have to good. be cooked right. They can't be soggy. They got to be a little crisp. I like it. Well, I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, uh, that was our go-to. And I had uh, when when I went to Quebec for for Pee Wee Quebec back back in the day. My billet family made blueberry crepes, oh, yeah, and so they go. weren't like the crepes you're getting like maybe here or whatever. Like we're talking authentic Quebec crepes. That's good. It was stuff. unbelievable. It changed my life, and I haven't had crepes as good as as good as that since. Well, it sounds like everybody had a great holiday. Hopefully, our listeners have had a great holiday. Hopefully they're at home right now and not having to work like us losers are today. <laughs> but we're together. Yeah, but we're together. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. We're I mean, a support it's group. great. That's you what know? happens though in in this business. You're going to work holidays. You're going to work. Uh, they didn't tell me that the week off when between Christmas up, Dan, and New Year's. They did not tell me I'd be working holidays. <laughs> you didn't sign up for that. No, I would have renegotiated. Well, you always work during the holidays, though. You're a hockey player. This is true. So I thought in my post career. Work, I wouldn't have to do that crap anymore. You never thought that you and I'd be hosting a show together. You were in uniform, and I'm sitting there running around the rink trying to get guys to actually talk to me. Oh, yeah, Danny. You should see Danny Mac. <laughs> but you were go-to, he, buddy. He was bronzed up. He had the hair perfect, nice suits. <laughs> Danny yeah. Mac, just looking fly. Just ready to go. Ready to go, man. Ready to get a bunch of sweat on me in, you know, in between periods. It was all good. We got a lot of sports to get into especially over the weekend we have a great bowl game going on between minnesota and bowling green yeah it's, that we'll, we'll it's put epic. up here here in a second it's epic yeah we so. need to get that on the uh, screen <laughs> yeah no we're good i mean there's certain people so that have watch a, dry, a vested interest in that game uh, the bet, friends yeah, they're called parents <laughs> <laughs> all right he's danny mack jamie rivers here andrew marsh we've got you for well the next four hours or three hours and 45 minutes at this point we get back, you're going to talk about the Blues and that epic comeback the other night against the old Blackhawks here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
underneath Soderblom. The Blues have a 6-5 lead. 2.07 to go in the third period of play. Wow. Welcome back here to the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Dan McLaughlin, Andrew Marsh coming at you. And guys, I did not see that coming the other night. What, five unanswered? My gosh. From a team that has struggled to come back in games, uh, to say the least, from a team that really has only won the bulk of their games by scoring first and then hanging on for the victory, you ended up down 5-2 to two to the Blackhawks, which is already right there. They're one of the worst teams in the league. You're down 5-2 at home, night before the holidays start for your break. Connor Bedard does a Michigan goal. Stuffs it, you know where. Top shelf. That is yeah, Jen. got it. And um, then you come back and you win 7-5. With a power play goal, too. <laughs> Two of them. That's what I love to see is that you Two. had a power play goal and they're second from the bottom in the NHL in the power play, which has improved under Drew Bannister. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten better. They're getting more shots. To me, it's more of a, a power play that can do some damage. And they get that with, uh, what, five unanswered goals in about 13 minutes, two and 23 seconds to tie it up, and two of the goals scored on the power play. The energy in that building was incredible. You know, you, you don't get to be a part of those types of games a lot. And being down in between the benches and when they were scoring goals, like the place, man, like just bam, the noise and the energy. and It's like the building could feel this happening. They get down by three, then they narrow it to two, and then they score again. And at that point, you're like, I said it to, you know, to our truck guys, because we can talk to them, as you know, Dan. I said, they're going to win this game in regulation. It was like a far, it's a stretch at that point, but you just could feel the momentum building. And when they scored those two goals to get within one, like you just knew they were coming back. I felt that way. Have you been on the ice or seen in person what Bedard did? The Michigan goal. Oh, yeah. I saw it. Uh, it was about uh, 45 feet from me, Dan. It was unbelievable, man. So what's, what's unique about the way he did the, the the Michigan goal, as they call it, and people can go YouTube the Michigan goal, and they'll show you a whole bunch of different guys doing it, but the original version is where you put your stick flat on top of the puck and you kind of scoop it up by putting pressure on it and then just kind of scooping it up, and then you put it into the top shelf. He gracefully just skated and just just put his stick just under the puck as it like calmly just flopped onto his stick and he stuffed the top shelf like the soft touch that you have to have to do that is incredible let alone in game like game situation now, it's one thing to do in practice you know ah, well i try to do it all time. the time yeah but to do it in a game under pressure uh was pretty wild to see the dude is 18 yeah He's 18 years old and doing these kind of things. I'm sitting there watching the game, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like 18 years old prior to that goal. Watched him now twice against the Blues, and I'm seeing a kid with more poise than anybody on the ice when he's on the ice. He's awesome. He's great for the game. It's great for him to be in Chicago, even though he's a Hawk, and I know that'll upset Blues fans, but oh, yeah. you're in a major market, and you want to show him off to the rest of the world, you're getting your chance to do it with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, and he can you know, he can do all the Michigan goals he wants, because at the end of the day, all I care about is a victory. Yep, 7-5. And that's what happened. And, you know, Marshy, I know you watch a lot of Blues hockey. The power play that has been scoring 
for the Blues recently is the second unit. Mm-hmm. The second unit now has four goals. The last four goals on the power play that the Blues have scored was the second power play unit. So the first power play unit is getting some better looks, as they call it. That's like chances. Got it. They have fancy words now. Like chances. Looks are what used to be chances. You need to get into analytics in hockey. Uh, tracking. Um, it used to be back checking. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, climbing. You're not using those on the broadcast, though. No, I'd stick pretty old school. You stick old school. <laughs> yeah. So people actually uh, understand well, I, it. I just don't understand all the changing of the terminology. Like nothing has changed. But, anyways, that's, you know what? I digress. Let's get back on track here. The power play for the Blues, a second unit, has kept it very simple. One pass, two pass shot on net. That Brandon Sod goal was incredible. It was awesome. Yep. And you know what? Kevin Hayes on that one there was actually just making a pass. So mm-hmm. like when Sidney Crosby makes that play, usually it's Chris Letang at the point, and you'll fire a slap shot on the ice. And Sidney Crosby will do that little heel tip into yeah. the net because it's got a lot of zip to it. This one here, Kevin Hayes made a nice firm pass, but it wasn't a shot. So for Saad, not only did he deflect it, he almost had to like scoop it back that way. And it got behind the goal. It was a beautiful goal. I mean, really high-skilled play by Brandon Saad on that one. And then where do you get rewarded on the power play? Right in front of the net. Jake Neighbors. Justin Falk just shoots the puck at the mm-hmm. net. It goes off of Jake Neighbors' pant into the into the net. It's like you try to tell these guys all the time, I know not me personally, but Drew Bannister, uh, Craig Berube, Ken Hitchcock, whoever's a coach behind the bench, type, go to the front of the net. Guys get rewarded in front of the net. It happens. It's going to go off your off your butt. It's going to go off your leg. It's going to go off the goalie. It's going to whatever. And Jake Neighbors, who has been consistently rewarded this year by going to the front of the net, the young man has figured it out. Marshy, what would what would you say has happened with Jake Neighbors? I think he, I think he was given the answers to the test, and he just ran with it. And that's exactly Damn, that's good stuff, Marshy. That's mm. exactly what he what he's doing. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of players try. So he's cheating, is what you're saying? No, Dan. no, Dan. The test, you're allowed no. to use the answers okay. if you bring them. All some right. guys, open, it's an open note test. Yeah, and some, some people, they don't prepare. They don't, they don't take uh-huh. the notes. They just show up willy-nilly and they, they wing it, which can work sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think with, with Jake Neighbors, and you see a lot of people in the league, that I feel like they try and do too much, and sometimes it comes back to bite them. I think Jake Neighbors has shown this season that – just sticking to what the coaches have been telling them and just playing a simple game will will bring success. And that's that's what we're seeing this season from from him. And so we got a good question here. By the way, you can chime in anytime today. Please do about anything. The Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Uh, we get a good one here from the 314. It says, could Jamie address how close the Michigan goal by Bedard was to being a high stick and whether that's a callable type of play on that one one the the new high stick in the nhl is based upon the player so if a player has contact with the puck above his shoulders it's a high stick and Connor bedard would you know he's obviously taller than the crossbar Mm -hmm. and so at no point was that puck actually up above his shoulders well let me ask you this it's not a callable goal so what if he would have clanked it off the crossbar yeah and continues to move up with the stick so you, you understand what I'm saying? Is the puck in the net or no? No, no. He clangs it off the. So he completes trying to put it into the into the net. Yep. Okay. But in true in doing that, clanks it and the the stick then continues to move up. 
Do you follow what I'm saying oh, here? Is the stick making contact with the puck as it's moving up? Uh, that's a good point. It okay. only has to make contact with the puck. Okay, I got you. So I can skate around the ice with my stick 100 Waving feet in, in the air. air. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Until I hit somebody over the head with it or I hit the puck. Okay. And then, right. at that point, then it's a high stick. You're going to see that highlight about a thousand times between now and the end of his career. I mean, that is his signature goal right well, there's now. There's a lot of guys, these young guys coming in are doing it. Oh, Trevor Zegers did yeah. it the same night. And he did the same <laughs> Two night. Two Michigan goals and, in one night. And it's like his third or fourth time doing it in a game, too, Trevor Zegers. You know who's kind of getting overlooked, at least in my mind, is Robert Thomas. He's got 32 points now at even strength, and he shows up every yep. single night and gives you the honest effort that you always hear in, in hockey, but he's putting up points, man. He's, he's playing well, and this is the kind of guy that they expected when they gave him that deal. Yeah, they certainly did. He is playing very well. He has been your most consistent player for the last five or six weeks, I mean, without question. Get another text here, and, and I should have addressed this. It's my fault. From the 636 is, why is it called a Michigan goal? Ooh, so it's mm. a great question. It's actually a guy I played hockey with. Um, was it in 96? Does that sound right? Something like that? Mid-90s? Yeah, so his name was Mike Legg. Mike Legg. And Legger and I played on the Team Canada U-17 team as teammates, and Legger was doing this stuff in practice. And he said, he goes, I'm going to do this one time in a game. I, I swear. He was like, we didn't know if he was going to do it in the tournament that we were playing in or whatever. And then a couple of years later, he's attending Michigan University, and he scoops that thing up and puts it in the top corner. And it, for, from that point on, it was called the Michigan goal. Yeah. I still think it should be called the Lager. I do, too. He's you know, the one that did it. He's the original guy. He should get mm-hmm. some credit. Like, the university shouldn't get the credit. Not that I have anything against Michigan University. I don't care. But the player. Like, yeah. how many times there's something in a game or in life where we name it after a person? Because right. it, they, it's like their thing. Should be the Mike Lager, should be the Lager goal. I thought it was cool. Andy Strickland is interviewing the great one, and the great one says, Wayne Gretzky, even I can't do that. Yeah, he can't. Maybe he can't now. Now. Gretzky yeah. could have done anything he wanted back in the day. If that was something that was popular, he would have figured Gretzky it would out. have been the best at it. Yep. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Speaking of Gretzky, I saw a great story about him. Maybe I'll bring it up in What's Trending, but he was on the Spit and Chicklets podcast talking about the Russian team. Oh, yeah. So. I'll save that for for what's trending, but it's a great story. Dan. So is it the uh, the Canada Cup Russian team? Yeah, 1987. Yeah. Oh, they were awesome. They Imagine were Gretzky awesome. Gretzky and Lemieux were on the same line. I know. There's a great call with Dan Kelly from that in John's father with Gretzky, Lemieux, and I cannot remember Howard Chuck was on that and line. Larry Murphy was yeah. up there. Oh yeah, I remember watching it in my parents' living room. I think Paul I guess Coffey, it was my living room at the same time. Paul Coffey may have been on the ice for that too. It was one of the great goals I've ever seen ever in hockey. Oh, I, ever that moment, all of Canada celebrated. And when you like walk, every in, household in my neighborhood was bumping. <laughs> and you walk into the Hockey Hall of Fame, the first thing that you hear is that goal call. It, it's awesome because of the players that were together. Namely, though, as you mentioned, it's Gretzky and Lemieux, yeah. two of the best ever. But that was so awesome to hear that. Lots of fun. That's Dan McLaughlin, Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh on the dials. We're going to dive into the NFL this week, and we're going to talk about the Pick'em Challenge that, uh, yep, we won again. Let that sink in, Rizzuto Show. Right here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get ready to pick them. It's the Fast Lane Football Pick'em Challenge on 101 ESPN. Refreshed by Bud Light. Boy, you sure know how to pick them. Here to the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The time is 2:36 p.m. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. All right, guys, um, we won another week in the Pick'em Challenge. Rizzuto show anything that they were clinging to before with their horrible math and cheating ways <laughs> is uh, just completely done now. At this point, you rub it into him, uh, Jamie, or you just let it go? Uh, I try to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely rub it into. Of course them. you do. Absolutely. We're setting you up. Yeah. Of course they you like do. It. I, they probably do. They're they getting do. all the promotion by being bad on the Pick'em Challenge here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I, I like the way they've just given up for like two years in a row now. Three years. Did in they a row? really? Yeah, they just give up. I mean, there's only that's the only explanation for being so bad. Do you watch a lot of football this weekend? I was thoroughly confused. With everything, I did watch a lot of football, yeah. but I was, uh, again, I don't know if anybody's surprised at the fact that I lost track of, like, what day it was <laughs> because of <laughs> the, the break and the blues came, and then all of a sudden there's games on Saturday, and I'm like, what is it? And then yeah. the next day it's like, oh, it's, it's games on Sunday. You got Thursday night football. You got Saturday yeah. night now this late in the season because college is done. You got Sunday, mm-hmm. and then you got Monday night football. Yeah, I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's just... I was trying to keep track of it all. Either way, uh, we picked up the victory. And overall on the weekend, guys, what was your biggest surprise? Which game got you and you went, okay, this changes my opinion about this team? I think you got to go Ravens, San Francisco last night, Baltimore. I think now Lamar Jackson will be the MVP of the NFL. Brock Purdy throwing four INTs. Oof, that was a tough look. You got Lamar Jackson. I was looking at this with the Vegas odds. MVP odds. Lamar Jackson now. Christian McCaffrey. 
Tua Tungavailoa, Josh Allen, and Brock Purdy drops to all the way number five. Yeah. It was yeah. a hell of a game. I mean, it was a hell of a game for the uh, the Ravens. And right before halftime, third and 16, you look at Lamar Jackson, scrambles for a first down. That led to a field goal. And this is against the NFL's number two defensive mm-hmm. unit. The other problem, I think, with the game is that San Francisco now is banged up. When you look at all the injuries that they had, they're, they're going to be suffering from some of those. And they, for the most part, have been healthy throughout the season. They had a stretch where they were 0-3 and had injuries. But now it's a different story. And I, I think Baltimore is the favorite after last night to win the, uh, the whole thing. I think Lamar Jackson has only lost one game to an NFC team in his entire career. So if this team can make it to the Super Bowl, I mean, they, they have to be the Super Bowl favorites right now because we put a lot on the 49ers as the best team in the NFL, and they laid an egg. They laid an egg last night. And Sam Darnold came in and scored a touchdown. I thought, hey, you could throw anybody in that offense and they could score, except for Brock Purdy. He was not good last night. Tough game for the young man, but I still believe San Francisco is the best team in the league. Uh, They certainly weren't the best team on the football field last night. I thought the Ravens did a fantastic job of throwing enough confusion at Brock Purdy. And the young man was also a victim of a couple of deflected passes, too, to where receivers didn't get the hands on the ball right. It bounced off of them. Defensive guy, like, he earned a couple of those interceptions, but a couple of them, too, his teammates helped him out with that, which sucks because the quarterback has no cut. Like, all you see is the four INTs. They don't have the explanations beside each one of them. For sure. And one of the things, too, that stands out for me as we head down the stretch is the parity in the league. you got 23 teams that are still mathematically alive. Mm -hmm. 23. And uh, right now, San Francisco in a three-way tie with Philly and Detroit. However, they're 9-1 in the conference. So to your point, they play great. And they've got wins over the Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Rams. So they're in the driver's seat to be the number one seed. So the other surprise for me and I don't know what to make of it, was the Raiders beating the Chiefs. Mm, and the, yeah. It's not that they beat them. For me, it's the way it all went down. Like, Patrick Mahomes did not have a good game. And I'm starting to wonder, Marshy and Danny, is there a new curse in this world? Like, you know, we had the Madden curse, right? The, mm-hmm. the cover of the Madden. Oh, no, don't want to do that. Oh, that's a curse. Guys get hurt. Yeah, you get the Stalter stack up. The Stalter stack up. Which has the number been broke. 10 team. Is, is definitely not the good spot to be in. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Netflix quarterback series is Ooh, the that's new a good curse. One. Hadn't thought of that one. You know, Marcus Mariota literally just disappeared off the face of the earth after that show, and now he's a backup again somewhere in the league. Can't remember where. Philly. Philly, there you go. So it didn't help him. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a season-ending injury, so it didn't mm-hmm. help him. And now Patrick Mahomes is having his worst season, I think, ever. Way to go, Netflix. How about the, go. the fact, I, I'm curious what you think of this, being a former athlete and watching Kelsey throw his helmet. Mahomes is screaming at his offensive line. He's screaming about plays that aren't getting in on time. Those are your two big guys. And when your leaders are doing that, the message that it sends to the rest. If you saw that, mm-hmm. you saw Wayne Gretzky come on. You probably saw some of this behind yeah. the scenes, just not where the cameras caught it. That's the difference in when guys go nuts and they're doing it in front of the cameras and in front of all the fans. There's been a lot of uncharacteristic behavior from this team this year. You know, we go back a couple weeks ago to the whole Patrick Mahomes complaining about the refs and all that stuff and Andy Reid. And then, 
you know, Kadarius Tony just can't catch a ball, period. And then Travis Kelsey and the sideshow that's come along with Travis Kelsey. I'm not blaming his relationship for any of the problems that they're having. I'm not. But it's brought way more attention to the team. Mm-hmm. So if the team is not as successful and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, they know that all eyeballs are on these games and they're not playing well. That's where a lot of the frustration comes to. You're almost embarrassed. Like you're so angry that you're embarrassed because like millions of people that weren't watching before are now watching because Taylor Swift is in the house. Like, yeah. I know that sounds silly, mm-hmm. but it feels like you're under the microscope a lot more when you have that kind of uh, popularity following your games. Mahomes now 14 interceptions. 14. And yesterday, he averaged five yards per attempt. He had only three completions that went over 10 yards. That's not Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes no. is going to make plays with his arm. Now, he did scramble a bunch, showed off the legs, especially in the second half, but that's just not him, man. He's got a deep threat usually, yeah. and he'll go over the middle with Kelsey. That offense just doesn't look anything like a Chiefs offense. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's because he doesn't trust his receivers. Well, that could be a big like, part I of mean, it. I mean, it's as simple could, as even that. Even Travis Kelsey had a couple of drops yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, did you see Jack Jones intercept Pat Mahomes and – he was staring him down as he ran oh, into yeah. the end zone and then went to give the ball to a Chiefs Did, fan. Yeah, um, didn't like that. So, I mean, he ended up coming out and said that I didn't snatch the ball from the kid. It was some dude who was trying to take it from the kid, so he snatched it away. Either way, I, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was great. That kid is going to hate, hate him and hate the Raiders for the rest of his life, and that will build character for that rivalry. <laughs> it's going to be- say build character for that young boy. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, for the kid, he's going to hate Jeez. the Raiders. These and, are tough at the Marshy I mean, House. We're, we're talking about rivalries these days. I don't know if there's, you know, really great rivalries as there, as much as there were in, like, the early 2000s. I think right now that kid, uh, he's, he's not going to be a fan of the Raiders. <laughs> I think the hardest championship to get is the Stanley Cup. You get absolutely beat up for two oh, yeah. months. It's crazy. I gotta wonder if with the Chiefs, if the schedule and what they've done over the last couple of years mm-hmm. is catching up with them. Could be a lot of extra football, a lot of bonus ball. We'll Absolutely, call it. I feel like you'll take that though if you're winning championships. Well, you will. And the Lightning, when we were just down there talking to a lot of their guys and some of their coaching staff and, and their general manager, he said, "Yeah, you know what? We played so much playoff hockey mm-hmm. that we almost needed a longer summer." And he goes, "It sounds terrible to say, oh, you need to be eliminated." But he's like, these guys were beat up, man. So it does take a toll on you. Do you think that the Chiefs are out of it when it comes to the Super Bowl? Like, do you think they, mm. they don't have a shot? Because I, I still think they do. I don't think they I don't think they get out of the AFC. You don't think I, so? I don't see that team beating the Ravens. No, I don't think they'll win the Super Bowl, but I could still see them turning things around really quickly. Last year the 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 Eagles, they didn't How look they that turn great. Around, I don't know. They just flip a switch. I mean, this team can, though. If there's one team that I think can just flip the switch. Can they do switch, it with the current roster that they have, though? That's the only problem I have. I didn't think they could it. do it last year, though, with the, with the roster that they had. Yeah. They can't get the top spot, so Patrick Mahomes has to go on the road. Yeah. He's never played a road playoff game, ever. Patrick Mahomes. No. So they've got to go on the road. We'll find they out what he's made of. Won't be assured a top spot. They've got the Bengals and the Chargers left. Those are winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. We thought this past week, though, was a winnable game. Absolutely. All right, we'll get into more of the NFL scores and results here somewhere in the show. We'll plop that back in there because we really only got the two games, although there were two 
really good games. We come back, we're going to talk about the Blues and where they are right now following the holiday and where we think they might be able to go moving forward here with a lot of home games on the menu for them. That's right here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fascinating here on 101 ESPN. Um, time to dive into the Blues here a little bit. We talked about it earlier. We talked about their unbelievable comeback against the Blackhawks. And, uh, you know, I'm just wondering for you guys, what what's up for the Blues? Like, what's next for the Blues? Like, where, where they are currently in the standings to where you think they might go, where do you guys see this whole thing headed? So they're 17, 15, and 1. Mm-hmm. Going into the Christmas break. That's ninth in the Western Conference. Puts him on pace for 87 points. I think we know more about the Blues and the impact of Drew Bannister in the next eight games. You've got Dallas, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, Carolina, Florida, the Rangers, and Boston. It's a gauntlet. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a gauntlet. Now, the, the good thing about this is that you've got seven of those nine games are at home. So you've had a pretty tough go. I know this because I was traveling with the team. You're on the road a lot here to begin the season. November was brutal. It was tough. And your record at home right now is 10-5. and five. So you're five games above 500 while skating on home ice. So with seven of nine at home over the next stretch, that could be the difference maker for the Blues. That, and that's what I'm saying. You know, if they if they play well against these teams, I, I just think you get a better idea of where they're at because it's a measuring stick against some of the better teams in the league. It's been an interesting, I guess, uh, three, four months. You had the trade of Bertuzzo. You had Verona sent to the minors. You fire the head coach. Cairo is booed. I mean, it, there's been some ups and downs along the way, but here you are, ninth in the Western Conference, kind of where you thought you might be. Yeah, you're one point out of a playoff spot. Right now, and you know, I think you know to start the season, Doug Armstrong, as as well as myself, thought the Blues could be third in the division. I don't think anybody saw the Winnipeg Jets doing what they're doing right now. For the Jets to be twenty nine and three is unbelievable. I that, thought they were going to take a step back. I totally thought the same thing. In fact, I thought Hellebuck and Shifley, like this would be their last year. They're going to play it out. They'll be traded at the deadline, and all this stuff. There was a pivot. They re-signed those guys long-term. Everybody's bought in. Rick Bonus has that team playing hard. Rick Bonus went through some personal stuff, too. His wife was having seizures, and he had to leave the team to be with her, which obviously is understandable, but still a, a tough situation for the team. And all they did is keep winning. They had no fans showing up at the start of the season. The owner was getting some heat. And all they did is keep winning. And so now they've solidified themselves at the top of the division. So now the fight for the Blues is for the wildcard spot. The Predators, who have played one extra game, then the Blues sit at 38 points. The Coyotes, with even number of games, sit at 36 points, and the Blues right there with 35 points. I want to see what you think of this. I had five things that I thought needed to happen under Drew Bannister or just a look at what he needed to do or vice versa, the players. 
Number one, clean slate, 11 players on the Blues roster suited up for Bannister in the AHL. Give them a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Don't have any preconceived notions of what's happening here. Tough to do. We're all human. We're going to have preconceived notions, but he's he's let those guys go. Vets have to buy in. Braden Shen's your captain. He leads you, but the vets have to buy in. Faster starts. I think we've seen better starts by the Blues, in particular, second period. Get the most out of Cairo. I think he's playing better. And then get the power play going. That's an obvious one, and that has improved. But those are five things that I looked at when he took over. So there's one thing that's happened since he's taken over that I think might be the ultimate difference maker for this team. And it happened in Tampa Bay. The worst game that's been under Bannister. Bannister benched Pavel Buchnevich for 12 and a half minutes. The last 12 and a half minutes of the game. Pavel Buchnevich came on the air with us following the game against Florida, to which they had a bounce back. Team played better. Booch played better. That line put in some goals, had some points, some great stuff. And Booch literally says, I deserved it. I sucked. His exact words. He doesn't mince words. And he owned it. And then came back and played hard and played good. There's two directions that that scenario could have gone in. One, the way it did. Or two, you lose the team. Because Pavel Buchnevich is a guy that is a 200-foot player. He plays offense, defense, physical. He does everything you want from your player. And if he would have just shut down or started to badmouth the coach or cause like problem in the locker room, say, oh, you really going to bench me? I'm one of the only guys that shows up every freaking night. I have a bad night and you bench me? Like, Had he taken that avenue, the wheels may have fallen off this team. But he didn't. So credit to Pavel Buchnevich for taking that moment and turning it into something that could galvanize the group. Because now, when Drew Bannister goes down the line and benches Thomas or Kairou or Shen or mm-hmm. Saad, whoever it is, how can they possibly be pissed off at that point? Mm-hmm. Well, what? I, be- I bench Booch. He didn't care. What, you're, you're, you're better than him? You're bigger than the team? No, you can't say a word now. What's it say, Jamie, when you have a two-goal deficit against Dallas, three-goal deficit against Chicago, where they'd shown prior to that no signs uh-huh. of coming back in games, and all of a sudden they're starting to do that? What's that say when you're watching the games? It tells me that it's a group of guys that are willing to compete and, and play the entire game. Yeah. they're not. It's not the guys give up. People say, oh, they gave up. They don't give up. But you start to get frustrated and you start to make plays that are uncharacteristic, and then as the frustration grows, you do things that are even less productive out there, so it it looks like you're giving up or that you're not trying. That's not the case. But this group, since the, 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 the coaching change, has been very, very resilient. They haven't given up. They have the shoulders haven't dropped. The body language hasn't changed. You know, they don't do we're down by two goals. The, it's like the it's like the blank you moment now. Mm-hmm. We're down by down. Okay, we're gonna come back. You know, the other thing too, Bennington stole you points early. I mean that mm-hmm. when you look at where they're at to be just outside of a playoff spot, if he's not as good as he was early, they're not in this spot. I mean, they could be easily eight, ten points out of a playoff spot. And one thing, too, to remember, even though Jordan Bennington gave up five goals last game. And And that's why I said early. Yeah, no, but even (laughs) that, but go back if you want, if people want to go back and watch the game, when it became 5 all, when it actually was more like 5 4, Blues were making the comeback. Jordan Bennington made saves. He made saves that you needed in order to complete the comeback. So it's like a page out of Grant Fuhrer's 
book right there because Grant Fuhr, look, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame with a save percentage under 900. It tells you that, oh, he's a lot of goals, right? But no, go look at the saves he made to win games and to win championships. And Jordan Biddington, that's what happened the other night, gave up five, kept his head screwed on straight, and then when the team needed big saves from him in a moment where they were trying to complete the comeback, he made those saves. He made the saves, and you go on to win the game. What's Bannister been like to to be around him? He, he looks pretty cool, collected, changed some things on the ice clearly. Yep. Change a little bit with the lines. Power play's been better. What's it like being around him? He's great. So, Danny, I don't know if you know this. I've known Drew since I was 15 years I, old. I did know that, yeah. And so he played against him a ton in junior hockey, played against him in the NHL, knew his mother extremely well. She was the one lady at our school that – took care of us, all the hockey guys. You know, we'd miss two or three days because the road trip would come oh, that's back. That's awesome. She'd have our homework and all that stuff. <laughs> so Mrs. Bannister played a part in my life as well. And what I see from Drew is a very mature coach right now. It's not that he wasn't before, but you can see that he's got miles on him. He's learned a lot about how he wants to coach a team uh, and how he wants his players to, to play. He's soft-spoken. He's not the guy that comes in and just drops F-bombs and doing all that. No, he's more like a professor almost. Comes in, explains exactly what it is, but he's very assertive. Like he, there's no gray area. He's very black or white. He's, he's actually a lot like Chief when it comes to players knowing where they stand. Now, there's some obvious differences. Chief's a lot more of an imposing type of coach, and he'll come in and drop a few F-bombs and do his thing there. And, and it's not to say that Bannister won't, but it's just not his style. And so what he's been able to do is come in and just teach. And he's grabbing guys, and he's showing video, and he's teaching. And they're, right now, guys are absorbing that, and that's why it's paying off. And when you have that type of demeanor, when he does decide to get a little fiery, that's when the players are like, oh, crap, Like we need to dial it in here. Yep. Is that the difference between him and Chief? Yeah, it's just, look, it's like having parenting by two awesome parents, but they just do it different ways. Right. And, and, and that's really what it is, because a head coach in any sport is a parent, a psychologist, a mm-hmm. friend, an enemy. They're all the, all the above. I guarantee at some point he's going to lose it. But when he loses it, it's going to have more of an effect because he hasn't lost it yet. Yeah. <clears throat> and when you finally lose it, man, it makes the room go, uh-oh, yep. and it gets your attention. Because if, if you do it all the time, guys just block it out. Right. They just say, you know, I, I don't need to hear this again and again and again. But you do it that one time, it resonates. It does. It does. And what I think, too, um, just regarding the whole thing, is just that he he's put his time in. He knows what he's talking about. He's very sure as to what he wants this team to look like. And, you know, the message really has been a lot of carryover from what Craig Berube believed in, too, and that's just a sign of having good coaching, consistent good coaching. You know, whether it's whether you had to let Chief go or not, you knew it was good coaching, good message, great guy, and now you move on to Drew Bannister, and he's continuing the message along, expecting compete out of his players. Like It's very much the tone. It, the overall thought process is similar. It's just a little bit of a different voice. To me, he looks businesslike. He just, is. He just very business-like, calm, collected, knows what he wants to do, knows how he wants to get the message across, like with Buchnevich, and then doesn't hold that against him. It was like a situation where he goes and talks to the player, player has respect, okay, we move on. Yeah. And that's all you can ask from a player's perspective. And he's had confidence in the players, too. 
Uh, just like when Craig Berube took over for Mike Yo, Craig Berube's first press conference, I'll never forget it, said, look, these are good players. This is a good team. We haven't played well, but this is a good team. Go back the other night, two nights ago, Drew Bannister. He says the same thing. These are good players, man. They're playing well right now for us. Like they're, This is what they're capable of doing. It means a lot for a player when you hear the coach coming in and what, you know he corrects you, holds you accountable, all that stuff, but then the praise is there too. You can't just kick someone in the bells all the time. Mm-hmm. Every now and then they need a hug. And regardless of where they go from here, the one thing it's done is by the front office time. You know, when you go four and one and you have two comeback wins mm-hmm. and the place is rocking on the 23rd, whatever day that was, since we didn't figure it out in the beginning, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, that buys you a little time. Yep. You know, now he, he might be the, he might stay in the position he's in and he could be here for a while, but it did buy you time. And that's the one thing I look at too. It, it's been the perfect start of what he could possibly want in the front office once in a brief amount of time. Yeah, to your point, don't know how long it'll last, but he's doing a great job right now, and and hopefully he does a great job and solidifies himself as the head coach moving forward. Um, But the team looking a lot better, 4-1 under Coach Drew Bannister so far. Guys, we talked about this a couple minutes ago just in passing, but did Brock Purdy lose the MVP last night? We'll get into that next here on 101 ESPN. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast lane here on 101 ESPN. San Francisco 49ers took a beating last night by the Baltimore Ravens. And one of the biggest things that stood out in this game, apart from Lamar Jackson having a fantastic game himself, Brock Purdy struggled. I mean, he absolutely struggled bust in that game last night. Had a tough go, uh, interceptions, wasn't pretty, wasn't purdy. Get it? Got it. Yep. Uh, Good. And there was there was some talk about Brock Purdy being the um, MVP candidate, and I got behind it. I did. I thought to myself, you know what? Why not? People always the systems quarterback. He still has to make the pass. He still has to make the play. He still has to read the defense when they come up to the line of scrimmage. He still has to call the audibles. All this stuff. Like if it was. 
Anthony Stalter brings this up a lot, too. He says if Brock Purdy was a first-rounder, we would absolutely be talking about him being the MVP. That's a good point. But yep. he wasn't. So we, we unfairly <laughs> categorize him. Let's try that. By a vowel, please. And <laughs> we put him at the bottom of the pile because he's a systems quarterback because he was a seventh-rounder, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. Last night he was Mr. Relevant for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, four picks. Woof. He had uh, 18 to 32, 255 yards p- passing, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. You know, the thing I look at in watching the game last night is Lamar and his ability to scramble. I mean, there are very few guys in the National Football League that could do what he did last night. Right before halftime, they had a third and 16. He scrambles for a first down. That leads to a field goal. Mm, That was huge. And this against the NFL's number 2 unit in scoring average. Now, they have the longest winning streak currently in the National Football League. They had blowout wins against Jacksonville, Detroit, and Seattle, all playoff teams right now. And if they beat the Dolphins this weekend, they'll clinch the number one seed and a first round bye in the AFC for the playoffs. So when you look at, it's always the debate, is the player the best team or best player on his team that wins <clears throat> or are you just the best player in the league? And I, I think yeah. you make a case that he's both. He's both, yeah. Lamar? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think last night was a pretty defining moment for Lamar Jackson. You know, he... Uh, he passes for 252 yards, but he scrambles for 45 yards. And it wasn't that he scrambled for 45 yards. It was that the yards that he got were huge. They were huge. Like, mm-hmm. in moments that you thought he's uh, they've got him. Third like, and long, things Chase like that. Chase Young had yeah. him. Literally yeah. had him. And all of a sudden, whoop, he disappeared. And he's breaking everybody's ankles. And he's a hell of a runner, and he can throw the ball. And with the new offensive coordinator, it seems to have simplified and expanded everything. For Lamar Jackson. Do you guys think there's a team right now that could upset Baltimore moving forward? I I mentioned that they've got the Dolphins and the Steelers left. So the Dolphins game coming up is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Where is that game? Just out of curiosity. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm I'm not sure. I I can't remember. Okay, I'll click on this for here. I'll find out. But you're right. The Dolphins game is going to be big. uh, and, And it's... In Baltimore, so it's a little bit more cold weather. Yep, Baltimore's a beautiful spot, but uh, it does playing. have winter. And they're playing so well. Yeah, I mean, what also gets over. I mean, the Baltimore defense is pretty darn good. When you go on the road, you're at San Francisco, and you shut them down like they did last night. That catches your attention. Lamar catches your attention because he's flashy, but. Don't overlook what the what the Ravens were able to do to Purdy and, and that 49ers offense. So I think right now in the AFC, you look at the Dolphins, obviously they're up there, but for some reason they're like the Cowboys. They can't really win on the road. Um, you have the Chiefs who are struggling, the Jags. I don't know what is going on in Jacksonville. <laughs> you have the Colts who lost to Anthony's Falcons. I thought they were playing well, but then they lost to the Falcons. <laughs> There's two teams in the AFC. One of them, I don't want to say it's kind of a joke, but like – it's kind of a joke, but the Browns, the Browns yeah, just who keep the hell winning is this with Brown Joe Flacco. Team. All of a sudden, Joe Flacco is like QB one here. I I don't know. He has a Super Bowl, so he you know I feel like he knows what it takes to win. Guys, so, the Browns are ten and five. It's insane, <laughs> and they've won three insane. in a row with Joe Flacco. I don't know if I can take them seriously in the playoffs, but like <laughs> they're winning games right now. And then the other team is the Bills. I know the Bills barely squeaked one out against the Chargers, who just fired Brandon Staley a few weeks ago, so they're really not there. And Justin Herbert's injured, but 
the Bills are another team that have been playing good football too. So those would be the only the only teams in the AFC right now that maybe could could take could beat the Ravens. But I don't know. The Ravens are playing really good football. Well, the Cleveland defense is awesome. They've won three in a row. They can secure a playoff spot if they win on Thursday against the Jets. What makes that interesting is that Joe Flacco was the backup yeah. last year in New York, yeah. and they don't re-sign him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are they thinking? If you're, the, if you're the Jets, you're like, what? Danny, he was sitting at home and he got signed to a practice roster after Deshaun Watson was declared to be, you know, hurt for the rest of the exactly. season. And then he just he's been elevated from that point. But Marsha, to your point about who could legitimately beat the Ravens, there's only a couple teams. I'm gonna say the Bills and the Chiefs, for me, are the only team, and I know the Chiefs have been playing not good, but I, I, I'm not going to discount the championship pedigree that that team has mm-hmm. and the coaching ability of Andy Reid to put together a game plan for one game. They just have to make sure they beat the Ravens in that game that they play them. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be a Picasso by any means. But I look at the Chiefs. I look at the Bills. And the reason I say the Bills, I don't really know what the hell the Bills are right now. I don't think they know what they are. But they they're dangerous barely. enough to beat a good team. So they barely get by that, yeah. but then they go and put the screws to a team that's really good. So it's like, what what are we doing here? So Buffalo, they hold their destiny in their own hands. So they've got, if they went out, they've got the Pats and the Dolphins, they're in. Buffalo right now is the sixth seed. you got Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Buffalo, Indianapolis. And then you got three teams that are eight and seven, and then two long shots in Vegas and Denver. But Buffalo was left for dead, and now they're in the playoffs. If they went out, it's it's in. Well, Buffalo could win their division still. Yes, still if the a Dolphins chance. lose to the Ravens, they play each other in the final week of the season to decide who wins the AFC East. If, like you said, Dan, if Buffalo were to win out, it's incredible. It's wild. It'll be fun to watch either way. He's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Jamie Rivers. Andrew Marsh working the Dows. We're gonna do Blues cues coming up next. So if you have any question. Uh, Blues-related that you'd like to ask myself and Danny Mack and Andrew Marsh, just text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Again, that's 314-399-9646. Blues Cues coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's Blues Cues. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We sent it out to you for your questions, your blues related questions. Again, that's the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. Marshy, what do we got? All right, let's start with the uh, the 314. We were talking about the power play being a little bit better than it was earlier in the season from the 314. What is Bannister doing different on the power play? So, a couple of things here for people to to know is Doug Armstrong in his press conference uh, the the day that he relieved coach Berube of his duties said that they had brought on Brad Richards as a power play consultant. Those who don't remember Brad Richards, who don't know who he is, go look him up. He had a lot of success in the NHL, won a couple Stanley Cups, very offensive-minded player, very good on the power play, was a Conn Smythe winner in one of his cup runs, where uh, we know that is the best player in all the playoffs. 
So he's been around just observing and offering his his two cents where need be. But the biggest thing from my perspective is they're shooting the puck more. You know, they've changed the they've changed the look of the first power play unit. Robert Thomas used to always be on his strong side, and all that means is the side of the ice where he cannot shoot a one-timer. Some teams use that. They use that flank where the guy will skate all the way down with the puck and can try to get a shot or a pass across. That wasn't working. It just wasn't opening up opportunities for the power play. Robert Thomas wasn't able to create a lot in that spot. So whether it's Drew Bannister, Steve Ott, or Brad Richards, has flipped him now to the one-timer spot. And he, he operates in the Ovechkin area or down low on the goal line. And each spot allows him several more options as far as creating offense. Now, they haven't scored a lot of goals, but they've had some good chances. And the second power play unit has been all about getting pucks and bodies to the net. And that has been successful for that unit. So that's the only changes I've seen. Isn't it amazing when you get a different set of eyes sometimes? They see things in a simple fashion as opposed to when you're there every single day. You're there at practice. You're watching film of the games. You're running a power play. Sometimes you need a different set of eyes because they see things differently. I mean, they're just going to say, no, 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 get this guy off the wall. This is where he needs to play on the other side. Like you mentioned with Robert Thomas, it's just a different set of eyes can help that out. So I've always compared it to to something, and maybe I'm crazy or foolish to do this, but you know those pictures? There's like spot 10 differences between two pictures, and you're sitting there, and you can only find nine. Exactly. And you're racking your brain for like... 20 minutes and you can't you're looking at every inch and then your buddy rolls up and you're like i can't find the last one he goes oh you mean that one <laughs> and you're like well how the hell like i was looking but you're like staring right at it but you still even though you're in it you don't necessarily see the the problems or where you need to change so the, the fresh set of eyeballs sometimes is good perspective it's also got to be a coaching staff that is not thin-skinned oh, and, yeah. and comfortable where they're at because you have a consultant come in and all of a sudden, they start rattling off things that you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they could take that the wrong way. So give the coaching staff credit, too, for accepting what he had to say. 100%. From the 217, should Bannister make the current PP2 the first line on the power play until the current PP1 line proves it can score? That's a lot of PP right there, Andrew. It certainly <laughs> is. I mean, we're no stranger to it here on 101 ESPN. No, we're not. We're not. Okay, so Drew Bannister did do that. Last game against Chicago, the second power play unit scored the goal and the very next power play. And I was sitting there watching. I was like, I wonder if he'll come back with the second power play unit because he really should. And he did. And I saw the guys firing over the boards and he did. And you know what? That's just the accountability thing. Doug Armstrong wanted accountability for this team. Drew Bannister has preached holding guys accountable, not just individuals, but, you know, groups of five in this case. And you get one power play unit that's scoring goals and creating the offense. The other one hasn't. You got to go with the hot hand. And I I thought it showed a lot of guts. I thought it showed uh, a lot of transparency, too, to where you play good, you will play. So the question would be, does he do it going forward? Do you keep doing that? I think what he does is he'll start next game with the same kind of setup because now you've had a few days here to go over some things. Like, no practice today, but they'll get on the ice tomorrow. They'll do some video. They'll do other things. You can't completely rip everything away from your top players because you got Kairou, Thomas, and Buchnevich, who are by far your most dangerous offensive weapons. They have to factor into your power play. 
like you've scored a couple of goals here with the second unit. That's great. That's awesome that it's happened. But to be successful, to get that playoff spot, your top unit has got to be the one that's scoring the lion's share of power play goals. So you've got to get them there. And if you give them that 35 seconds, 35 seconds, because that's usually what you get, 35, maybe 40 seconds when you get out there for the second half of the power play, it's not enough. You need to give them an opportunity. And if they fumble the opportunity and the second unit looks good again, then you flip-flop it. I think Drew Bannister did a great job of recognizing that that moment was a perfect time to go back with the second power play unit, and it paid off. What do you got, Marshy? We have one. This is... This is an interesting question. From the 636, do you think goalies will ever go back to stand-up style? Seems like there are so many goals I see go over a goalie's shoulder. Yeah, no. There's no chance of that. You know, now with the butterfly-style goaltending. So go back and look at the 80s and even the early 90s. You had some stand-up goalies. There were a ton of goals that were scored low on the ice. I mean, you just... Your feet aren't fast enough to consistently stop 95 to 100 miles an hour on the ice. It's just not. So you drop down into the butterfly, and with the, the size of the pads and the size of the guys, it takes up the whole bottom of the net. I always find it interesting watching Bennington. Puck will go to the other side, and he stays down. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he never stands, across. just slides across. Yeah. And it's not even a scoring opportunity. It's no. just he's going to slide across, and that's how he goes about his business. That's how he tracks the puck. Yeah. It's literally what it is. And so you won't see stand up goaltending anymore what you're going to just start seeing is bigger goalies and that's what's happened look at the top tier of goaltenders in the nhl most of them are six three and, and taller vasilevsky's six six in that net so when he goes down in the butterfly or down onto his knees like you still don't really have top corner available for you can you go to smaller goalies or do you think this is a trend that's going to be out of the game so to speak unless you're just yeah, awesome smaller goalies unless you're grand fear they're just not being drafted yeah they're not because you take a big goalie and you can develop that big goalie and it takes up more than that. I mean, it's just simple equations of how big can I put a human being in this net to show you the least amount of net consistently. The bigger goalie is going to stop more pucks. Now you see Saros in Nashville is a smaller goalie. Um, Bobrovsky is a smaller goalie, but guys, when you can count two or three in the league, that's just, that's your answer right yeah. there. Ben Bishop, six seven exactly. Yeah. Joel Hofer's a big guy. Joel Hofer six four or six five. What's Bennington? Six three, I believe. Big, six two, six three. Big kid, tall. He's tall. Yeah, he takes up a lot of the net, and a lot of these goalies now too, they move out to the top of the paint, and it takes away even more of the net for you. It's the angles. It's the angles. It's the odds. It's yep. all that stuff. So yep. uh, you're not going to see smaller goalies, and you're, you're just not going to see stand-up goaltending anymore. Were you with the uh, the Islanders at the time when they tried to bring in a bigger goaltender? Was that the Islanders that I'm thinking of? Uh, not while I was there. We had... Uh, Wasn't that a thing where they tried to bring in like a... Like a I don't know if this is a joke or not, but like a sumo wrestler or something. Yeah, no. <laughs> Marcia, I think I think you're dipping into the the uh, grandpa's cough syrup the ayahuasca. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I think you did on that one. I yeah. uh, don't remember that. Maybe at I'm all. thinking of the walrus. Yeah, uh, there was a commercial. Yeah, commercial, yeah. yeah, with pasta. Maybe you just, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm thinking your of fiction's becoming reality. All right, we got a question <laughs> from the, come on, from the 314. Jamie, who is the second best player you played against and how far behind Gretzky was he in skill? Oh, man. <laughs> so many unbelievable players that I played against and with. Like, obviously, the first answer is Mario Lemieux. Uh, he was just phenomenal as a hockey player. Yarmer Yager is uh, so good. Uh, Alexei Kovalev doesn't have the 
the bulk of points, but he was one of the hardest guys to play against. He skated so good, handled the puck. He was strong on his feet. Pavel Bure, like these could guys. fly. Fedorov, yeah. Iserman, Brett Hull, like Mike Medano. The list goes on and on and on of guys I ended up playing against. It was, it's tough. I talked to Chris Pronger the other day, and I said, did you fear anybody? He said, of course not. He said, but there were certain guys that you watched and he said Sergei Fedorov was one where some guys when they get the puck you may see them trail off just a, just that little bit you mm-hmm. know what I mean their speed they're trying to control the puck he said this guy never lost stride no. in his speed that he could carry the puck and be as fast as anybody on the ice with the puck on his stick and so smooth exactly so you didn't even realize how fast Fedorov was skating because his skating stride never changed like you can see some guys where you see their feet pick up like you know with Sergei Fedorov it was the exact same stride every time so you couldn't tell if he was skating two miles an hour or 30 miles an hour and now it's really hard for a defenseman to pick up to to be able to keep the gap and to close him into a bad spot you just don't know one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I was covering the Blues at the time. It's at the old Igloo, and Lemieux gets it in his own zone. Okay? And for whatever reason, McKinnis was kind of pinching in or something like that. So he is hounding him. He's on his hip. Jamie, I'm not kidding. He held it for 25 seconds. Oh, Did yeah. it like figure eights. He's taking it <laughs> yeah. out of the zone. He's he's keeping it on. He, guys are touching up. He takes it back in. Danny, and, that's in the league, too, where you could almost murder someone and get away with it. Chopper was chopping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's you're hammering hooking, You're holding, you're punching, you're grabbing. It was 25 seconds. Referees let it go. He's doing Russian circles. It's crazy. Yarmor Yager was that way for me. I'd break one stick a game on Yarmor Yager. Sure. I would it, because he it was so frustrating. He'd stick his big cow behind out there and you couldn't get to him and then he would just dangle the puck with one of the longest sticks in the league you just hold it out like 30 feet away from you exactly it's like here kitty 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 and I'm like ah and you can't get around him can't no because then he just turns yeah protect the puck not fun dad by no. the way i, I found I know, it. jamie I found it. Charles B. Wang. He was a former Islanders owner. This is from <laughs> Mike. found it. Mike Milbury, a former general manager of the Islanders. We know Mike Milbury. He recalled that Wang wanted to get rid of the team's scouts to rely on the league's central scouting system and try out sumo wrestlers as goaltenders. Well, that explains the success rate they had Mike during that Milbury. <laughs> that was your Blues Cues here on 101 ESPN. We come back, we're going to get to narrative or reality here in the Fast Lane. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Same here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Dan McLaughlin, Andrew Marsh. It is time for Narrative or Reality. And you can chime in too. The text line's always available. Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. All right, guys. Starting this off, Jimmy Snuggerud, who's playing in the World Juniors right now for Team USA, had a nice, nice goal. Early in the tournament, Jimmy Snuggerud will be with the Blues by the, by the end of the year. Narrative or reality? Oh, that's a narrative. Yeah, that's yeah. what I asked you in the office. Yeah, narrative. Young Not man a is a, uh, a really good player. He's got a bright future at some point in the NHL. But like things like that happen to people like Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. Like These are guys that make that jump at a young age to where... You require no assistance. You get your training camp, and even then they get a training camp. Jimmy Snuggeru coming in at the end of this season to be a part of the Blues require him to go from college hockey to the NHL right away. What about next year? It's in play, right? Like, he, he gets an opportunity. I think bringing him in would be a great idea. Get him some practice time. Get him to see the speed of the game and be around the guys and what it takes off the ice as well. Like, there's a lot that goes into being an NHL player that is not always what you see on the ice. And there's an understanding of systems, an understanding of coaching and things like that that players could really use at a young age to get to see it, get some eyeballs on it. I'm curious, and and you work with kids and you work with all levels of kids, the training from an NHL perspective to a a high-end, I mean, he's a high-end college Mm -hmm. kid, the biggest differences that you see, time commitment, what you do on the ice, off the ice, all of it. What, what are the biggest differences you see? Well, you know, when you get a college kid like that, so the college kids are, it's pretty close, It's man. a job, man. It's, it is. And this is where, like, in my opinion only, is overall, I think, the college game is better for developing hockey players. And I don't just mean, like, the games that they play and things like that. I mean, the overall feel that you're at the rink every day, and they have a nutritionist. They've got a strength and conditioning coach. They've got video rooms. They've got all of these things available now for college hockey players, whereas junior hockey, some of those teams are still operating on smaller budgets, and the kids have to go to school, and you got to go on road trips, and you miss certain days, and it's they play a lot more games too. So it, there's something to be said for... One, playing a few more games, but for me, the development comes mostly in practice now and, and, and developing your players off the ice as well. So I've, I've said this to a number of people because I played junior hockey. And be like, well, you say that. Well, you played junior hockey. I did. But if you're a high-end player, it makes more sense to go play junior hockey because you're going to get to the NHL faster. You'll be there at 18, 19 latest 20 because you're going to get drafted in the first couple of rounds you're going to get an opportunity so for me when i was coming up that was the quickest way to the nhl i was drafted at 18 years old on the nhl ice at 18 years old i would have been barely a freshman in college at 18 just based on where you know what i'm saying oh, yeah. so then what you know then i got to wait four more years to become an nhl player or at least two back then it's like in mlb <clears throat> one of the great training grounds that they have the minor leagues and football doesn't have that you know football no. you're going from college you're you're in the show hockey gives you a little time to develop in major league baseball if you go college you you're you're there for three years yeah 
So that's why some kids are going the junior college route. But for the most part, you're there three years, you're getting drafted, and then you're in the minor leagues. I mean, there, it's rare when a guy jumps. It's It takes a, an yeah. exceptional talent. I mean, you're throwing 105 yeah. and maybe making it. And so Jimmy Snuggerud, to kind of put a bow on this, he's going to be a great player for the Blues at some point. I think it's a little further down the line, though. Narrative or reality, the Chiefs are struggling because Eric Bieniemy is no longer there. Oh, I think it's a reality. I do. I mean, I think you could – I don't know if there's a wrong answer in this one. But for me, with him not there and the team struggling the way they are, I have to feel like it's a reality for me. You know, he had some kind of a, a connection with the offensive guys. In particular, I felt like he had a connection with Patrick Mahomes. And although Matt Nagy is there and, you know, he was like the quarterback's guy before and whatnot, there's still something to be said for what Eric Bieniemy did for that team. And so until they can prove to me that they can produce the same offensively without him, I have to say it's a reality. I, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the game yesterday, the defense of the Chiefs is not the problem. I mean, they allowed two field goals. Problem is trying to find consistency offensively, and a lot of times you look at the NFL level, falls on a head coach, but falls on a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And if your offensive coordinator is dialed in with his QB and an offense that is fluid, then you're going to win games. And they're not fluid at all right now. Fluid, not fastly and fluid. No, 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 no. Okay, because no. there's two different meanings. I understand and that. You have to make sure that you you know, you you specify. Say I'm just they're the fluid, in, bro. not fastly and fluid. I'm just the fill-in. Yeah. No, you're not, Dan. You're around here enough. You should know the rules by now. What else you got, Marshy? We have a text from the five zero one narrative or reality. Mo will be fired when the team finishes out of the playoffs again. Well, that's if they finish out of the playoffs. And if they finish out of the playoffs, I could see John Mozeliak stepping aside. I could. Maybe a, a different role with different the club. Role, like, rather than firing him, because he's had a really good tenure. Love him or not, as a Cardinals fan, you have to be honest enough to say that his tenure has been good. And when you have something like that, you don't want to make it... You don't want to end it on a brutal... We fired him. He, we ran him out of town. Mm-hmm. No, you just changed the job title. Let him work out his last year of his contract, and you shake hands. And that's it. 100%. I couldn't say it any better. I mean, he's done very well for a long a long period of time. It was his first losing season as GM or president of baseball operations last year. He's made some big-time moves that have paid off. Matt Holiday turns into a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Goldie's an MVP. Arenado's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Uh, there were trades that he made early on. Mark DeRosa was another one that that was like one of his big moves early on. I think it was in 2009 mm-hmm. when he got DeRosa, he got Holiday. He was able to extend Holiday. Then you looked at like when they lost Albert. Well, who did he go get? He got Berkman. He got Beltron. He signed Molina and Wainwright long term. I mean, he's done some good things to make sure that they're in the fold. To the bigger picture, though, I'm with you. Jamie is that he's done a lot for this club. They're not going to just kick him out the door, and uh, they would figure out a role for him. And I, I don't think it would be far-fetched to have him even on a business side the non-baseball move him over he's done a, i mean yeah. his hands are on a lot of different projects that fans don't see so I, I could see that happening do you think his his tenure is early on was what it was because of the amount of money that wasn't being shelled out to all of these players 
it's made his job more difficult because we know the Cardinals are not going to spend that type of money. Yeah. They're just not. I, and so I feel like it kind of hamstrings him a little look, bit. There's, there's, there's a lot to be said for John Mosellock in, in a couple different ways. One, did he inherit a good team from Walt Jockety? And yes, he did. Was he able to keep that team going and continue to win baseball games? Yes, he was. Was he able to produce a winner on his own at one point? Yes, he did. A so, lot of the, the tinkering of the tent of the, his tenure like when Walt was done and Mo took over Mo is a big part of the drafting and developing of the players that we saw come through that then yeah, all of a sudden Tony and Walt were more like we need this go get it and the model was at that time and I'm going back to like Jim Edmonds Scott Rowland some of the Larry Walker is that we'll give up prospects to go get these guys now, Larry was on the very end of his career, but others were then signed to extensions to where the model changed to where, man, we the money's getting so big, to your point, Marshy, the money was getting so big that we better change how we do things in terms of drafting, developing, and holding on to these players, which they did, and a lot of those guys graduated to the big leagues. That's the, that's the thing. If you look at that 2004 team, I know a lot of maybe not maybe not a lot. I don't want to put words in fans' don't mouths. Don't put anything in people's I mouths. I don't want to do that. But perhaps there's a, a, a portion of the fan base that will look back at the early 2000s and be like, "Well, you know, we have all these these players, these great players." It's like, "Well, go look at their contracts. They weren't making anything compared to what these guys are now." Imagine if those players played today. Well, yeah, it would. Imagine what the contracts would look like. Back might, then, they were big. We right, say that. Right, for sure. We say that. I always laughed about that, too. I'm like, can you imagine how much money Wayne Gretzky would be making? Oh, my God. How about Brett Hull scoring 80 goals and 70 oh, goals a season? Yeah. Guys who get 30 goals now get $7 million contracts. We saw it a little bit change with the Blues um, when Al got his deal and Prongs got... Prongs was making, I think, $10 million a year. And it was an uncapped league. Yeah. It was prior to the cap. And so oh, they yeah. were spending money to keep guys here. And yeah, it was too. big money. It was. Marsh, we got one more? Yeah, we, we could probably do one more here. Let's do, uh, okay, here we go. Narrative or reality. The NFL MVP has already been decided. Ooh, that's narrative. It's narrative. I think there's too many horses that are right in the same spot for me to pick a winner right now so i'll go narrative yeah i think it's tight and then when you look at lamar jackson they still have the dolphins and the steelers left what if he has a brock purdy game oh, well that, that could be pretty awful. that's the thing about this nfl season that i i don't know what team i can trust going into any given week because it seems like we'll be really high on one team we'll use the 49ers for example and then they'll just lay an egg. And you're like, well, what's going on here? The Dallas Cowboys, same thing. They beat the Eagles. We're like, wow, the Cowboys are unbelievable. And then they lay an egg. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the Ravens end up laying an egg. The Steelers didn't look terrible this past week. So, I mean, they got that going for them. And, I, you know, all of a sudden he goes out and throws four picks. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Then the narrative changes. You know what, guys? Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Next, here on 101 nice ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. 353, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. We were just talking about Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson in particular. And uh, 
I want to know from you guys, did did other teams around the league underestimate Lamar Jackson heading into this season? Because let's go back. Let's go a little time more. Lamar Jackson asks for a trade. Nobody comes knocking. Now, I'm not saying nobody came knocking, but the contract that he wanted slash asking for the trade, he ended up where there was no real traction. So did teams underestimate just how good he could be? Yes, because you would pony up to pay him if you felt he was worth the money. Yeah. You find a way. You find a way to get under the cap, take the cap hit, and make sure that you get the premier QB, the most important position on the field. The other thing that stands out to me, I don't know if you agree with this, but his ability to take non-plays and make them into big plays. There's nobody that I'm thinking of and from the QB position that's able to do what he does. So he can throw. Mm-hmm. He had a QB rating last night of 105. But the thing is, is that his ability to scramble and get away and find a way to make a play. There aren't many guys like that in the league that I can think of on the top of my head right now that do what he does with his legs. That's why, to me, he'd be the MVP. Now, do you think some of that lack of I won't say lack of interest, lack of getting a deal done, was that he's also been banged up quite a bit. A little bit. Injury history kind of thing. Yeah, I think that some teams, to your point, Danny, about him scrambling, I think there comes a time and a place to where when the scramble becomes like a risk. Because he's out there now, like he's in no man's land, running around and someone's going to get him. He's 32. Yeah. And there's mileage there. There is. And that's the one thing I, I think that if you're a opposing team or a team that had interest in him, I think it's a valid point, is that he's making a lot of plays with his legs and it's one play away from getting destroyed on the field. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's not the uh, investment that you thought he was. That would scare me. What's a prime for a quarterback? Like, let's talk age here because I feel like quarterback position in particular – as these guys get older, they get better. Reading like, defenses, understand just, they're just smart. And even the scrambling type quarterbacks, like the you know you've got the schoolyard quarterback, like the Kyler Murray's, Lamar Jackson, like the guys that come in. And Lamar at first was like, oh, he's a, he's not a real quarterback. He just scrambles. He's a he's a running back basically. You know, but now you look at his game, and the game is evolving to where he's recognizing when. He needs to run. He's recognizing when he should run. He's recognizing when he's not supposed to run. So I've often thought to myself, like, what is the prime age then for a quarterback? What do you look at Aaron Rodgers. 27, 28 maybe. But look at Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton all these Manning. guys towards the end of their career yeah. that were, like, better. Yes. <laughs> well, they could read defenses and split seconds make the, the quick decision. So the pre-snap, I think, is where the experience comes in. Yeah. Right pre-snap, as they're lining up, processing what the defense is, is showing them, and then, of course, guys, geniuses like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and these guys, as soon as the snap happens, identifying where the defense has baited you. So where would you go with your MVP vote if you had it? As of right now, I don't see how Lamar Jackson doesn't get it. Yeah, I'm with you. I just don't see – like, you look at the standings, you look at the records – uh, Brock Purdy was my underdog. I don't think four interceptions gets you there, specifically this late in the season. That's going to be a lot of what people remember, especially in a big game like that. The Eagles, like Jalen Hurts hasn't done it. Dak Prescott really hasn't done it. Maybe he's in the conversation. Patrick Mahomes, no. Um, 
you know, you look at the Dolphins. Tyreek Hill was, not anymore for me. So Josh Allen, eh, I don't know. So, I messed up, by the way. Lamar's 26, oh, not 36. 32. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I just feel like he's been around forever. Yeah. He has been. Uh, so I look at that, and I, I think that Lamar, when you look at the statistics and the team success, because you can't just have a quarterback that's playing great out there and the team is 500. So Josh Allen would be out for you. He's out for me. He. Do you think, when you think of Josh Allen this year, do you think MVP? Uh if they went out, Pates, uh, they got, what, the Pats and the Dolphins mm-hmm. still left? Um, I, I think he gets in the co- – I think he could finish in the top three. Okay, so but that, I, you didn't not, answer my question. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> that's, so that's me too. I look at it and I go, he's, you know, he's there, but he hasn't had that season where you're like, yeah. Lamar has had that season. I, I'd look at Christian McCaffrey too. I totally agree with that. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and, and make people miss is second to none. Or he can run in between the tackles and punish you. He's, I mean, he is just an all-around great football player. If there was every year where there could be an MVP that's not a quarterback, it could have been this year. Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill were two guys that were changing the game from their positions. Now Tyreek, you know, he's two thousand yards. He's still, yeah. I mean, he's there. And Christian McCaffrey, you know, last night still Christian McCaffrey's like your go-to guy. But I just don't think, even as good as they've been, I don't think they displace a quarterback, especially if a quarterback's playing as well as Lamar is. So guys buy gifts for their offensive linemen. What happens in hockey? Anybody buy gifts? Uh, no, not really. No? No. I mean, it's a little different. You know, as a as a player on the line or whatever, like your guys aren't there protecting. What if you're getting 80-plus goals and it's set up by Adam Oates? I might want to get him something. I'd certainly buy him a beer. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and at that point, if he's getting 80 assists off your 80 goals, That's he's probably true. doing okay for himself, Dan. That's probably true. He's probably getting paid, too. Yeah, he is. That's all you got to tell him. You're getting paid, too. All right. That's Dan McLaughlin, Jamie Rivers here. We've got the gauntlet coming up next, and we have a special contestant who's been chomping at the bit to get a hold of one of us here. We'll let you know who that is when we come back on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. It's 
404 here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an official provider of Rolex jewelry. It is time for the gauntlet. And we got a special guest this time. Um, it's my girlfriend's son, Reed. He's 11 years old, and he is an avid sports watcher and a statistics guy. And if you ask Reed, he knows pretty much everything about sports. So we're going to put him to the test today, Danny. I love it. Reed, knock him out. Let's go. Reed, you there? All right. Yep. All right. So here's how <laughs> here's how it works, buddy. Is okay. you, you'll pick whoever you want to play against, and then the wheel will pick the category. The categories are baseball, football, hockey, and random. Random could be just about anything. So who do you want to play against first and foremost? I. I'm going to play against Jamie. I had a feeling that was coming. He wants to take Atta down boy. the biggest dog in the park, Danny. Atta boy. I love it. I I'm love ready it. for it. I'm okay. ready for it. Well, I hope we get random or baseball or something. <laughs> random would be a little tough on an 11-year-old. <laughs> That's, I want to win, Dan. I don't care. Okay? I'm hoping for either hockey or football. This might be strongest. All right. Okay, Reed. So here's how it works. I'm going to leave and go to the cone of silence. Marshy's going to take over, and then I'll be back to uh, kick your butt. Good luck, Reed. All right, Reed. I'm sure you've listened to the gauntlet before, but we'll go over the rules just in case. You get four questions. If you get the question right without using the options, you get two points. If you have to use the options and you get it correct, you get one point. And if you get it incorrect, you get zero points. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am. All right. Tell me to spin the wheel and we'll get it going. Spin the wheel. All right, so you said you wanted hockey or football. Is that correct? Yes. All right, unfortunately, it looks like... Oh, Dan, you you spoke into existence. Random is the category today. All right. We'll see if uh, maybe there's some random sports questions in here. (laughs) Yeah. That's unfair. That is unfair. I don't like that at all. Maybe we'll just have to help out Reed a little bit. All right, here you go, Dan. All right, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Reed, you ready to go? Yes, I am. Perfect. Question number one. The $2 bill was first printed in 1862. Whose face did it originally feature? Hmm. I'm going to go with the options here. Options are Sacagawea, Alexander Hamilton or George Washington? I'm going to go Alexander Hamilton. Final answer? Final answer. I like that. I like it. Okay. Cape Cod is located in which state? Whoops. Massachusetts, Virginia, or Delaware? I gave you the options early, but you're going to get two points if you get it right. All right. Massachusetts. Nice. He, 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 just, he, he didn't even know him. Nah, he, didn't. he doesn't need him. No. All right, question number three. What is the name of the lead singer of 98 Degrees and ex-husband to Jessica Simpson? Um, yeah. uh, I'll go options here. Options are Rich Cronin, Clay Aiken, or Nick Lachey? Hmm. I think I'm going to go Nick Lachey. Final answer? Final answer. 
Question four, who wrote the classic coming-of-age novel, The Catcher in the Rye? Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the options here. Okay. J.D. Salinger, Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm going to go um, the third one, third option. Okay. F. Scott Fitzgerald. All right. Nice job, my man. You did well. How are you feeling? Feeling good about it. Good. All right, let's bring Jamie back in. Get the bragging rights from Jamie. This is is the all-important gauntlet right now. I can't believe that he got random. We should have just given him either football or hockey. But the wheel doesn't lie, though. No. You better pack a lunch, buddy. What happened in here, guys? Well, we got random. Oh, baby! Reed brought his—he brought his game today. So okay. you need to pack a lunch. Well, he does know an awful lot about a lot of things. So, all right, ready to go. Let's do this. Question number one: yeah. The two-dollar bill was oh. first printed in 1862. <laughs> Whose face did it originally feature? Ooh. I have a couple of ideas, but I need the options, please. Options are Sacagawea, Alexander Hamilton, or George Washington. All right, Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton, final answer from the good Canadian guy knowing the U.S. $2 bill. <laughs> Jamie, I messed up in question two. I gave him the options. You gave him the answer? And No, I didn't give him the answer, but I did give him the options. Okay, So I that's gave fine. him two points on this. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Cape Cod is located in which state? Massachusetts, final answer. All right, question number three. What is the name of the lead singer of 98 Degrees and ex-husband to Jessica Simpson? That would be uh, right from my era of boy bands. Nick Lachey was the lead singer of said band. Final answer? It is my final answer. Question four. Who wrote the classic coming-of-age novel, The Catcher in the Rye? Oh, that's classic. That's uh, J.D. Salinger, isn't it? Final answer. Final answer. All right, Jamie. What? Let's go over these questions. Why do you guys seem so mad at me? Question number one. Answer, Jamie. The $2 bill was first printed in 1862. Whose face did it originally feature? Reed, you said Alexander Hamilton. Jamie, you said Alexander Hamilton. Correct answer is Alexander Hamilton. Nice. nice. You guys both needed the options. Oh. So we're all tied at one. Nice job, Rito. Question Ooh. number two. Cape Cod is located in which state? Reed, you said Massachusetts. Nice. Jamie, you said Massachusetts. Correct answer is Massachusetts. We gave Reed those two points. He knew it right away. Even though, Dan, you gave him the option. Yeah. But he knew it right away. I so. jumped the gun. He was all over it. So we're all knotted up at wow. three. Question number three. What is the name of the lead singer of 98 Degrees and ex-husband to Jessica Simpson? Jamie, you said Nick Lachey. Reed, you said Nick Lachey. Oh, come on. Correct answer is Nick Lachey. But... Reed needed the options. Oh, I can't believe he still got it. He wouldn't, how the hell does he even know who Nick Lachey is? He knows everything. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but does he know this final question? Oh, boy. Who wrote the classic coming-of-age novel, The Catcher in the Rye? 
Jamie, you said J.D. Salinger. Reed, you said F. Scott Fitzgerald. The correct answer is... J.D. Salinger. Oh. Reed. You have chosen poorly. You lose! Unbelievable, Jamie. Oh, man. Reed, good job, buddy. You did good. It's all right. You I'll did you, good. That was tough for Marshy to hit that... Uh, you lose thing. He was hey, like really I, I down about it. it. I didn't want to hit it. There, and this is coming from a guy that always, for the most part, beats really nice people. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. Look, this is a life lesson for Reed. He's going <laughs> to battle back. He'll come back from this. I yeah. I will have bragging rights around the house from now until forever. But. All right, buddy. Good job, man. All right. Enjoy. See you, See you later. Yeah. Unbelievable. Is it ba- I don't feel bad. Oh, you should feel bad because <laughs> everybody's wanting to respin. Okay. They want to respin. Well, tell you what, maybe we'll do a we'll let Reed do a redo tomorrow. He should have gotten football or hockey. You just should give this him This is unbelievable. You can't give okay. him random. So, because maybe we bring him back today. Jeez. Because it's the holiday book. Which means we can kind of do whatever the hell we want. Nobody, That's right. Like no, none of the bosses are listening. I mean, you know there's that. literally no one here there's except for us here. three. In fact, I feel unsafe because there's nobody here. There's no security. No. Here. Nothing. Nothing. We Nobody's usually have a, a ton of security here. Because Boy, I am getting called a lot of Anthony's things. Anthony's here. You are getting ripped. <laughs> My gosh, you're getting killed on this thing. Good hey, job, Jay. We're gonna crush the kid's spirit. <laughs> you should feel bad. <laughs> we should blame the wheel. To be honest. Wow. Yeah, I'm taking a beating here. Well, Reed, I hope you're happy. Reed won without winning. He won the uh, popular vote. Yeah, uh, he did. He did. All right. Well, we'll make it right. We'll we'll have Reed <laughs> back tomorrow, and he can pick. I'll let Reed pick his opponent and the category. There you go. You know why? Because we're like the outback. No rules, just right. I think Kerry Davis is going to be in tomorrow too. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. He's so joining the fast lane and pick on Kerry for a little bit. I'd love that. All right. Well, sorry about your luck, Reed. Oh. Boy, you're tough, man. Yeah. Hey. You're tough. There's no gimmies. Hey, in this life world. isn't fair. That's right, right Andrew. Life ain't That's fair. Right. But it's a it life lesson. What you did, Jamie. It really does. <laughs> you know what? You you know what? You, you're like the guy on the Raiders. You walk up to the kid, you give him the football, and then you snatched <laughs> it right from him. The question is now what? is Reed's mom and how upset she might be at you. <laughs> yeah. so. You know what, Dan? I never thought of the repercussions no, of I'm this. I'm just saying. I mean, you know. Yeah, now I'm getting blamed. It sure is cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of ice and cold, we're going to talk hockey when we come back here and what we can expect from this Blues team moving forward under new interim head coach Drew Bannister here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN, and uh, I am taking an absolute beating on the text line as well as our YouTube snake pit brought to you by Air Alliance team. Yeah, and it's well-deserved, too. I, is it, though? It is. 
Although, you know what? You may have toughened up Reed if yeah. he needed it. I don't know. You would know better than I. Yeah, well, it's always good. Little reminders are always good, Dan. You know, nothing in life is easy. And uh, sometimes you have to taste failure before you can taste success. Hey, I'm not the one sleeping on a couch tonight. Okay. You know, I didn't think we'd have to go there. <laughs> um, it is a nice couch. However, yeah. you know, won't have the comforts of, hmm. like, batting and of course my girlfriend yeah but, that's uh, the the part i'm talking about yeah is it a sectional like you have room to sectional oh like yeah the, like the couch what i thought you said no. no oh that's tough no no it's gonna be a tough one guys but i still feel like i did the right thing yep i don't they'll all thank me later on for you it. need to bring him back and let him either get football or hockey We'll bring Reed back tomorrow. We'll do Gauntlet 1.0 rules to yeah. where if he picks hockey, he plays against me. If he picks football, he plays against Kerry. If he picks baseball, he gets Marshy. We'll do All right. That. That's fair. All right. Marshy, are tough. we okay with that? Sounds good to me. Text line, are we okay with that? Let me know. Snake Pit, let me know if you guys think that that's okay. All right. Our St. Louis Blues closed out, I wouldn't say the first half, but closed out almost the first half before the holiday with a big win over the Chicago Blackhawks. They're 4-1 and one under interim head coach Drew Bannister. And I guess the, uh, the question a lot of our listeners and Blues fans have is, what can we expect from the Blues moving forward under Bannister? And I, I think if we translate that a little bit, Danny, it's can they sustain this? Like, is what we're seeing still part of the coach bump, or is this part of what the new reality is? I would say a little bit of both. Uh, you know, you, you talked about it earlier, his changes with the power play. He's had changes in the lineup. What he did with Buchnevich and how other players bought into what he was doing. Now, on the flip side of that, I would say you're going to find out a lot about the Blues. Dallas, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, Carolina, Florida, the Rangers, and Boston, all upcoming. Now, you mentioned this earlier. A lot of that is at home. If they don't play, let's say, if they don't get to 500 in these games at home, then you kind of find out a little bit of where you're at. Like if they don't come out and play well, then I think you got issues. If they do, then all of a sudden, you know what? He sticks around longer and see where this team goes. Right now, they're 17, 15, and 1 at the Christmas break. They're in ninth in the Western Conference. They're on pace for 87 points. You know what? You play well against these teams. It shows you maybe it's a little different team than they were in the first month. Yeah, and one thing about this Blues team is they have played well against some of the top of yes, the, they have. the food chain here. They've beaten Colorado in Colorado. They beat Dallas. Like, you've got some games here where you've performed really well. You beat the Florida Panthers down in Florida. It's a tough one in Tampa, but you know, still, like, you're going to have those games. You're not going to win every game. You're not that kind of team. But this is going to be a gauntlet for the Blues. And I think that out of the seven games that they have at home, and Dan, you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong or if you disagree because – you know, you've watched a lot of Blues hockey over the years, but I think they've got to win five of the seven. That's where I'm going. You know, I don't think you can be three out of the seven. You know, if you go three out of the seven, then you're going back on the road for a bunch, then you got problems. Um, but what he's done moving forward, I want to see the power play improved, keep going in that direction. Yeah. And I want to see, I think a big litmus test for him is what can he get out of Jordan Cairo? You've invested years. You've invested a lot of money in him. He had the situation with Craig Berube. He's getting booed at home. He did respond to his credit, but will it stay consistently there? And that is one of the things that I'm – the question was posed, what are you looking forward to, you know, or moving ahead in this 
what do you want to see out of the Blues moving forward? I want to see consistency out of Jordan Cairo. And is he getting the best out of one of your best players? That's got to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's... Look, ultimately, your question marks to begin the season were Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And not that they aren't, they aren't good players, but they're starting the 8 times 8 contract. Eight years, $8 million. They're making the big dough now. You know What can we expect from these players? Well, Robert Thomas has proven that he can be that guy. He's, he's showing you he's an $8 million player. He's got 37 points in 33 games, and he's third in the NHL in 5-on-5 five five points. Yeah, 32, 5-on-5. Yeah, five five. The other two guys are Kucherov and Nathan McKinnon. Pretty good. That's really good company. Yeah. And Pavel Buchnevich was a guy, too, that you're like, okay, we need to see what Buch can do. Buch is doing what he does. 28 points in 31 games. He's hovering around that point of game, Mark, which is traditionally where he's been here for the Blues in the last couple of years. Jordan Cairo is off his pace a little bit. 25 points in 33 games. He's minus four. Uh, the defensive side of the game is where the is inconsistencies are, and the competitiveness from Jordan Cairo is where the inconsistencies are. If he buries some of those breakaways early... We're not talking that no. much about this. But we might be talking about a couple more wins, too. Yeah, so think about this for point. a second, Danny. Think. If Jordan Kyra scores a couple of those goals and the power play scores a couple of big goals, because there's like 10 games where they were tied and they didn't score a power play goal, and there was 11 games where they could have – or no, sorry, down by a goal for 10 games and had they scored a power play goal would have tied it. And there's 11 of those games where they were tied and had they scored a power play goal they could have won. So let's say there's four more wins, five more if Cairo buries five more wins right now puts you to the top of your division. Didn't it tell you how much you rely on him yeah. to be the guy, to be the goal scorer that they expected him to be? And you're right. I mean, if he is, they're winning games. So with, I've always said it, I mean, with the contracts comes expectations and you got to live up to them. Yep. And at this point... His point total is not where it needs to be. Certainly goal scoring is not where it needs to be. But we're not even halfway through the season. So there's a second half to this thing before they get this thing going again uh, tomorrow night against Dallas. And I'm sure he feels pressure, especially after the the situation with Chief. Oh, yeah. But this is why you pay him that kind of money. So here's what I've noticed in the last handful of games from Jordan Cairo. Well, I shouldn't say that. Since the whole booing thing happened, He's played a more complete game. Now he hasn't played a perfect game. You know, he's no Ryan O'Reilly, two hundred foot game, and you know, like I get it. But he also possesses skills that Ryan O'Reilly doesn't have, and I think that that's where people have to learn to lighten up a little bit on being a shutdown forward out there and being a dynamic scorer. Very seldom do you get both. Very seldom, and you yeah. know this, Danny. So many times over the years, like, like people talk about a two hundred foot game. And I've talked to so many people in the NHL. Said nobody, no goal scorer ever plays a 200 foot game. You're sniping. They just don't. Yeah. If you can get them to play a 200 foot game for periods of time, pockets of time in the game, especially when it's you know last five minutes of a period, tie game, up by a goal, then yes, you have to identify that and have those guys play that game. Otherwise, man, you have to let the thoroughbreds run. So what would you do then with Cairo? If, if I'm a fan watching. What should I be looking for in what you would say is that's a complete game by a guy that's a goal scorer? So being in good position in the offensive zone. So if he's not the first one or two guys into the zone, he's got to play high. He's got to be the F3 at the top in the offensive zone to support defensively. And a lot of times that guy gets rewarded with loose pucks. Watch how many times in a game the F3, the high forward, gets rewarded with a loose puck or an opportunity to score a goal just because they're in that spot. 
It happens a lot. Yeah. Another thing I'm looking for is through the neutral zone, he's back-checking hard through the middle of the ice, chasing down. He has enough speed to chase down pretty much anybody in the NHL, and when he's chasing back, he has to finish out the play. Make sure your team has possession of the puck before you turn the toes and go back up, you know, back up the ice. That's all you need to look for. That's yeah. it. And when you get the puck on your stick at any of the lines and your tie game or up by a goal, it's getting out into the neutral zone. It's getting into the opposition zone. It's getting down into the corner. Rather than trying to toe drag somebody or fire a sauce pass cross ice to somebody or backhand pass, no. Make a smart decision. Right now, you're a point. The Blues are a point out of the playoffs. If this would go somewhat south, what do you think that they would do in terms of players and getting them experience and then just trying to find out what you have moving forward? Yeah, they're... So the Blues are in a situation where they have a lot of guys with long-term deals right now. So you're kind of handcuffed. As far as moving players around at the top of your lineup, you really can't do it. You can't. I, I agree. That's You'll be tinkering I'm, with the bottom of your lineup. That's where I'm going. But then, you know, if you bring in a Jimmy Snuggerud or a Zachary Bolduke or some of these guys that are high-flying, like high-offensive potential, you're putting them on a fourth line? Yeah. That doesn't do anything. Nope. He's not going to be able to generate. So... You know, Army has to do a real good job here of identifying, you know, how he can incrementally improve this team. It's not going to be leaps and bounds. Unless somebody agrees, like, unless things go so far south, Dan, that somebody agrees to waive their no-trade clause because they're like, I just want out. I'll go to a contender or I'll go to this team. I want out. So now Army can move mountains a little bit that way when it comes to salary cap and opening up prime positions within the group. But unless that happens, like you're going to have a tough time. So it actually is in the best interest of the team to be competitive, to be that team that's pushing for a playoff spot, to reward your fan base with, even if it's a first-round playoff, and, and let's say things stop there, at least you've given your fans a playoff round. You've moved, You've incrementally moved the team forward out of the playoffs last year, into the playoffs this year, continue to develop. Maybe it's two rounds the following year, and then maybe you're a contender three, four years from now because those young studs have found their home in the lineup, and these other guys have proven that they still got game. 636 is asking if you become the Mike Keenan of the gauntlet. <laughs> Just crushing kids' dreams? That's right. Any of you 11-year-olds out there want a piece of me? All right? I'm here. There's no gimmies in the fast lane. I want Reed back on tomorrow. Yeah, you'll get him. Apparently right, that's good. very popular here amongst the text line. And you're not no, right not now. not at all. Danny Mack, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. We're going to play a little Smoke and Mirrors next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back here to the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers in for Anthony Stalter, who's enjoying a much-deserved day off. we got Danny Mack in here, Andrew Marsh, and we're going to have a segment here that I believe was probably put together because of me. Maybe. And it's called Smoke and Mirrors. What do you got, Marshy? All right, let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys who... Smoke. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. 
who uh, lost this week to the Miami Dolphins are the Cowboys smoke and mirrors. So I have said for weeks now that I thought the Cowboys and Dak Prescott were smoke and mirrors. Then they went out there and who'd they lay a beating on? Well, they did defeat the Eagles pretty badly. Yeah, they beat the Eagles. That's the game I was thinking of. And I thought to myself, well, damn, maybe I'm wrong about this team. But then they totally redeemed themselves by going out there and losing to another good team. The Dallas Cowboys, for me, they just haven't displayed dominance over good teams consistently. You look at their wins. They beat the Giants, the Jets. They lost to the Cardinals. They beat the Patriots. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Rams at the time when the Rams were not playing good. They beat the Giants. They beat the Panthers, the Commanders. Like, these are not great teams. And you look, they beat the Eagles. That's a big win. But then they go back-to-back now against a tough Bills team and a tough Dolphins team, and they lose both games. And they've lost, as you mentioned, two in a row. And the key for me has been, can they win away from home? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they just don't win on the road. They've had some tight games. Like, the Philly game was one they could have won. But they didn't. And they're 10-5 and on the year. They play great football for the most part, at home. I mean, they're blowing teams out by 30 plus. Oh, yeah. And then on the road, they just can't get it going, man. And they're going to be on the road in the playoffs. They're a wild card team right now. That would be my concern when I think about the Dallas Cowboys. Win on the road, I don't know if they can. Marsha, what do you think? I already know what you think. You hate the Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the next one. Uh, We'll stick with the NFC East. We'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles, who defeated the Giants, but it was a close one. It came down to the final play, and then Tyrod Taylor ended up throwing an interception. But are the Eagles smoking mirrors? I think they are. And here's why I think they are, is hearing that there are a lot of things going on in Philly that aren't great. Especially with their QB. Yeah, and guys talking about how they're the most miserable 11-win team in the NFL. Like, hearing that stuff out of the locker room, and you got, you know, you got great guys there, too. You got Jason Kelsey, who's a character dude, came back to play another season. In my eyes, he might be the best center in the NFL. Still, even at his age. And it looks like there's turmoil with this team some and that's not good so i'm going with smoke and mirrors they're the number two seed right now nfc east leaders they moved ahead of detroit because of their strength of victory tiebreaker which you get into at this time of the year they've got the cardinals and they've got the giants left now you would think that they win those games you think although the nfl is unpredictable Mm. but you win those two games then you get momentum going into the playoffs as a number two seed i i kind of i'm 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 liking the Eagles. I think things can shake out okay. after two weeks. You so know, you're, you're not smoking mirrors. Exactly, okay. not smoking mirrors at all. Marshy, you're the tiebreaker. I don't think they're smoking mirrors. They Son did. Of- they did something similar last year. And to Dan's <laughs> point, they they st- I mean, they still have a good team. They still have a good team. I think they've been bang- banged up a little bit. I don't even know if Jalen Hurts is necessarily 100%. I don't think he is. But I don't think he has been the entire year. They've been there. Same reason with the Chiefs. Why the Chiefs could maybe make a run, even if they aren't playing their best ball right now, is because they've been there. They've been there in the playoffs. A lot of these other teams have not proven that they can get it done in the playoffs. So I won't count them out just yet. I'll say they are not smoking mirrors for the time being. Moving on to a team that I absolutely think is smoking mirrors right now, and that's Ooh. Jacksonville. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, terrible I'm right now. I don't know what the hell that team is. First of all, that division is just hot garbage. Look at it. Like we, we make fun of the NFC South, right? All year long, we've made yeah. fun of the NFC South, and with just cause for the most part. Now, Tampa Bay is exactly where I thought they would be. 
just slightly above 500 and leading the division. But let's let's just turn the focus up here to the AFC South. Eight and seven across the board, five and ten for the Titans. That's a terrible division. Jacksonville would have, though, through all their issues, the four seed if the playoffs started today. They've lost four of five, five of their last seven, but they lead the AFC South because they retain the tiebreaker against Texas and Indy. They've got the Panthers and the Titans left, and again, on paper, you say those are two winnable games for them, Mm -hmm. but they're playing terrible right now, having lost four of five. I agree. Yeah, they've lost four in a row, too. Yep. Wow. Didn't see that happening. No. Me neither. So I brought up the Chiefs. Do you think the Chiefs are smoking mirrors? They've lost uh, a lot of games here lately that you you probably wouldn't think that they would lose. Um, I don't think I can call Patrick Mahomes smoking mirrors. I, I just don't think I can call it that. I, I think that there are some things that are working against the Chiefs right now. Certainly offensively, it's been a down year for Mahomes. It's been a down year for the entire offense um, that Andy Reid really hasn't had this struggle since being, well, frig, he'd go back to the Eagles even. He always had good offensive packages and good offensive players. I don't think it's smoke and mirrors. I think the Chiefs are going to be all right. Do I see Super Bowl for them in the future? No, I said earlier I don't see them getting out of the AFC. But I don't think they're smoking mirrors. I, I agree. They can't get the top spot, so that means Mahomes will go on the road. He's never played in a road playoff game. They got the Bengals and the Chargers left. The one thing that the Chiefs do have, though, is defense. And yeah. no one talks about their defense because all the focus is on Kelsey, Mahomes, yeah. lack of offense, 14 INTs for Mahomes. It's not like the Raiders' the offense did anything yesterday. Both of their uh, – two of their touchdowns came from their their defense. So it's not like the Chiefs lost because of their defense. So it was a fumble make, early, yeah. and then the pick six happened in, what, 13 seconds? Crazy. Something like that. So – I agree with you guys. I don't think they're smoking mirrors. Last one here. Uh, the team that lost last night to the Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, are they smoking mirrors? No, they're not. No. They had a bad game. Uh, Brock Purdy had his first real clunker as a 49er. Exactly, and yeah. I'm just chalking it up to that, quite honestly. If I'm if I'm the coaching staff, I'm. this is the one where you almost throw away the video. Don't show them. Just say, come on, we know who we are. We're 9-1 and one in the conference. We know we're a real good team. Just happened to be one of those nights. Or you take the video and, and you pull it up on the screen. In front of, you know, they got the big video rooms there. There's awesome setups in the NFL. You put the video up there and you have it on pause. And you say, boys, we'll go over this tape before we play those guys in the Super Bowl. Well put. And you put it aside. By the mm. way, in hockey, how do they do it? Do you guys have the huge video rooms or yeah. everybody just gathers around? Yeah, and- you have the vi- the big video room um, and you know, you, you'll you have either the full team in there for some kind of a systems meeting. Most of the time, like on game day, you'll have a team meeting in the room, a little bit of video. They have the video screens in the locker room, so it's an easy one like that. And then you'll have special teams. Special teams will go to the video room off to the side and they'll go over power play penalty kill get all that sorted out but yeah they do they don't it's not as you don't watch as much film as nfl teams do to where you've got the big auditorium looking things obviously you don't have as many players either so but you do have a video room where guys get in there they can you know they get the nice cushy seats and you watch the video and the coach goes over things i've I've seen some of that and i was thinking back when i was covering the blues it's a long time 
I mean, they would call guys into the coach's room, and there's popcorn on the floor, and it was <laughs> yeah. a VHS. Yeah. And they'd pop that thing in with no different angles, just kind of the high, wide angle, and yeah. you're just watching the, the play develop. Camera. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. Danny, they used to, for when we did video... Quenville would have like the AV department. Like in high school, you get the kid who yes. wheels in the TV. Quenville had a TV strapped to a, a cart with a VHS. Yep. And you come wheeling in with this thing, plug it in, and it was a little like tube TV. I remember. And, like huddle around to watch the video. Jamie Compound was there Jamie for Compound, years. Who cut everything manually because he didn't have digital. So he'd have like three or four VCRs going. And as plays would happen, he would mark it on the thing, and then he'd right. take that. Then he would take that tape, put it in another VHS, and another VHS underneath the blank tape, and go to that spot in the game where the the marker is, like as far as the the little counter thing. And he would run that play and record it. And then when the play was over, he'd stop the recording, take that tape out, put another tape in from. So you'd get five or six clips of like a defensive play. But it took him like 25 minutes to do it. The dude would be up until 5 a.m. after every game. He's a machine. He's now assistant coach down in Florida. Uh, he was assistant coach in Chicago for a number of years. He's earned his stripes. Those guys, I mean, the work they did back then was crazy. Yeah, sure was. All right, that's Smoke and Mirrors here in the Fast Lane. We're going to talk to our good buddy Joey Vitale when we come back right here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers sitting in for Anthony Stalter, who's taking a little breather for today. We got Danny Mack in here. We got Andrew Marsh. And we head out now to our celebrity line. Bring in the one, the only Joey Vitale. Joey, how we doing, bud? Rib Dog, what's going on, man? Doing great. Good, yeah. How was Christmas over at the Vitale's? Because I have a picture in my mind of like the beginning of Home Alone when people are scrambling everywhere. And like, that's my view of the Vitale house on Christmas morning. Well, yeah, I was going to tell you if, you're, if your view is looking like the entrance to hell, then <laughs> you're probably bang on. You're probably bang on. Yeah, yeah. My house is like. You ever been to those uh, those convention centers on like a volleyball national tournament? Oh yeah. Where you walk in and it's like this huge auditorium and balls <laughs> and whistles and girls screaming and parents. It, that, that's yeah. That that's my everyday. But Christmas is definitely amped up a little bit. Yeah. So so great time then, right, Joe? Best time. The best, yeah. the best time. Boy. Today, today uh, December 26th is my day where I pop in the old AirPods and I take down the, the Christmas decorations. My, I don't say one word to my wife. She doesn't say one word to me. The kids know to mind their own business, play with their toys. And, and by the 27th, I'm feeling a little bit better. Joey, five unanswered uh, against the Hawks. And in terms of some of the regular season games you've seen, where does that one stand? Regular season, I think that is definitely top five. You know, it's my sixth year in the booth. I think that was the top five, maybe maybe one or two as far as just pure excitement. That third period was, was something really special. You know, I think that this team is starting to do something particularly special that they just couldn't figure out a way to do with, under Craig Berube this season, not just this season. 
Uh, they Craig Bruby's teams in the past certainly had this, but it's really been a, a tough one this year when it came to this. And that's coming from behind and playing, playing even though you give up that first goal or the second goal. You know, we saw it. You know, when they played the Dallas Stars, you know, last week, we saw it last game with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the fight back in the Florida Panthers game. I mean, uh, for a while during the Craig Bruby, the first twenty-ish games of the year, that crazy stat: if they were scoring first, they were winning. If they didn't, they weren't, and that was. That was a little alarming because you're not always going to get on the board first. You're going to have to figure out how to win games from coming from behind. Uh, And that certainly was uh, cherry on top, uh, come from behind victory like that on home ice. Saturday night against the Hawks uh, definitely gave the fans their money's worth that night. Joey, I don't know how you feel about the Pavel Buchnevich benching, but I brought it up earlier in the show and I just said, look, there was one or two ways that could have went for this hockey club. And I I feel my opinion on this is – not so much that Drew Bannister, you know, showed the backbone to do it. I, I think for me, the biggest positive difference maker for this group is how Pavel Buchnevich handled it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, Jamie. I talked to Pavel about it before the Chicago game in the morning, and I just, I just asked him. I said, "Hey, how did, how did you take that?" And he kind of shrugged it over. He's like, "Who cares? Like, I play all my life. I have good game, bad game. Who cares?" Like. And his point was that he's played the game so long, he's been around so long, he knows he's a good hockey player, and he knows he's also human, and he's going to have bad games. And he didn't mind being sad at all. And he even said that I deserve to be sad. I didn't deserve to play in that game. And um, believe it or not, I, I, mean, I know it's one of those things where a lot of fans think, oh, he was probably so disappointed or so angry at the coach. But uh, knowing Pav Allen, knowing how these, these veteran players approach things like this, I would say it's something that it was just water off, water off his back immediately. He figured out you know, the next night to, to get a quick reset. He was terrific in that Florida game, and then he moved on from there. I think the benching, I think it's okay. I think I do. I think it's okay assuming there's one thing. You have to have some level of communication. You have to be able, willing to have that talk and have that discussion with the player. And I think that, you know, Drew Bannister, of course, did that with Pavel Buchnevich. You know, uh, the best example I could give of this, uh, where you have to hold one of your best players accountable, uh, but, you're, but you're communicating through it. I play with a, a player named Andrew Hutchinson who played, you know, six, 700 games in the National Hockey League. This one, he got sent down the minors towards the end of his career. He was our captain. John Hines, who's now, of course, uh, the coach of Minnesota Wild, was our coach. Second game of the year, he comes in after the first period, and he just rips our captain to shreds. And we're all looking at our coach like, this guy's completely nuts. And our, our poor captain, he's got 600 games in the, in the NHL. He's our, obviously our leader in our presence. And that's the way he approached it. Now, I found out from Hutch, we were having some beers months later, he told me that John Hines took him aside before he went in for that meeting. He pulled him aside after that first period was over and said, hey, just prepare. I'm, I'm going to rip into here a little bit. It's going to be for the best, for, for the better of the entire team. So he gave him a heads up. To me, that's, that's where it works. Like you, you can call a, a top player out. You can sit a top player, but there has to be communication. You have to explain yourself, explain the situation, why you did it, and then hopefully the player has a good understanding. And like you mentioned, Jamie, I think that Pablo Pujane was to hand it like a pro. Yeah, Joey, I always felt like a very important player because the coach was always tearing me to shreds and benching me. So obviously, you know, I, I felt like a guy that uh, could help the group galvanize. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. I know this, this word communication that that wasn't in the uh, that wasn't in the coach's dictionary. I would say about fifteen, twenty years ago, you'd you'd be sat, you'd be scratched, 
and all of a sudden it's like that awkward walk down the hallway <laughs> and your coach is coming. You're coming. It reminds you of like when you and your wife are fighting and like all of a sudden you catch each other in the same hallway like, and you kind of give her the button. She gives you the button. You kind of sneak by like, God, it's so awkward. Uh, there, there, there was plenty of that, no doubt. You think we know more about this team with Dallas, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, Carolina, Florida, the Rangers, and Boston coming up? I mean, we got some big games coming up, and I think the Blues have, have played pretty well against some of these bigger teams this year. This is this is a crunch time, Danny Mack. I mean, this is where you really got to start separating yourself and piling some wins together. They always said January 1st is a really good benchmark to really evaluate where you're at. You, to me, you got to find yourself four-ish, five games over 500 to really put yourself in a good spot in this division. I mean, you know Dallas, you know Colorado, they're going to be there. I think Winnipeg surprised a lot of people. I don't, I don't know if Arizona's got the wheels to get there to the very end, uh, but then you got to keep it on the wild card race now. With the Edmonton Oilers are starting to heat up. The Minnesota Wild started winning since their coaching chain. The National Predators are doing well. So everyone in your vision is winning. So you have got to figure out a way to get above 500, stay above 500. Can they make it three, four-ish games around that first week of January? to set themselves up for um, a really good run here. Now, it's important uh, for that date, especially because last year they commented on overusing Bennington throughout the month of January and February because they didn't have a good backup at Thomas Grice. He wasn't getting the job done. So if you can figure out a way to get your, yourself in a good position, you can lean more on Joe Hofer, who, who's been looking pretty good lately as well, and then you can start resting your starting goaltender throughout this month of January, is which uh, is going to hopefully be the catalyst for them moving forward. Joy, great stuff, my man. Uh, appreciate you coming on today. Go back, relax, put the AirPods in, do what you got to do, and try to enjoy this time off until well, until game time tomorrow. Game time tomorrow. We'll see you guys there tomorrow. Always, always a pleasure talking to you two fine gentlemen. You guys have a great day. All right, thanks, Joey. Appreciate it very much. That's Joey Vitale. I wish he'd get in a good mood. Joey? Yeah. He's always in a good mood. I know he is. He's always in a good mood. He's, he's always, always happy. laughing, having a good time. Joey he gets quiet is. every now and then. He gets a little tired, a little tuckered out. He gets quiet. He sounded a little quiet today, actually. Yeah, it's okay. But it still was a great mood. It's a great mood. You yeah. always get something good out of it. Yes, Joey you do. V, and we appreciate him coming on all the time. All right, it's the Fast Lane here. Danny Mack in here with me, Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers. We come back, we're going to get into what's trending on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We have Jamie Rivers, Dan McLaughlin, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, we brought up the Connor Bedard Michigan goal. Earlier in the show, we also mentioned that uh, Trevor Zegris had one as well. Before the game, he was with Ali Lazoff, who is the Ducks uh, ringside reporter, and she asked him before the game if he could do the Michigan and essentially score, which I found hilarious because he ended up doing it. Have you guys ever been in a position where you have either talked to a player or, in Jamie, your case, been interviewed to where a reporter has said something and then that exchange actually ends up happening in the game um i'm trying to think uh 
There was one time where I did a an interview for the Ottawa Sun after I was traded to the Senators from the Islanders, and uh, I wasn't thrilled with my time with Mike Milbury in Long Island. I know you guys find that hard to believe. Um, and I said the very first game we played against the Islanders, I had stated that uh, I hadn't scored yet in the season. I said, well, tonight's going to be my first goal. And I scored. Did you really? I did. I scored. <laughs> and apparently Mike Milbury threw his coffee against the wall when I scored. Because <laughs> he had read the article. And I like, love it. Yeah. I, uh, so that would be the only one that really kind of sticks out for me. Well, the one that sticks out for me is that um, he had told, not me, but he told a sick kid that he was going to hit a home run for him. Mm-hmm. And that was Matt Holiday. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. And hit the home run. They sent uh, personnel out to go get the ball, and Matt would go visit children's hospitals a lot late at night because kids are up at night, they're sick, and they don't sleep. And he told the kid he was going to hit a home run and did and went and got the ball and gave it to him that night. That's so crazy. It's awesome. He was awesome. What a dude Matt Holiday is. The best. Well, guys, unfortunately for me, I mentioned this in one of the breaks, the Minnesota Vikings have lost their tight end, TJ Hawkinson, with a torn ACL and MCL. He was injured over the weekend against Jamie's Detroit Lions. Not <laughs> that <players>. the, uh, <laughs> the Vikings really, I mean, they still have a chance to make the playoffs, but I mean, this is terrible. This well, is terrible for, for me. I can't believe the misfortune that the Vikings have had this year because... They're playing really well. And then Kirk Cousins gets hurt. And obviously Kirk Cousins is their QB1. But then they manage to tread water and they scotch tape the boat back together. And they start winning football games again. And (sighs) find themselves, oddly enough, like right on the cusp of playoff football. They're just outside. They're the first team out. With any luck at all here. Who do they play the last two games? So Packers and Lions. Yeah, they they have to win both games because the Seahawks... They play the Packers and then the Lions okay. again. So, for me, I'm hoping they win this week, and then I'm hoping the Lions end up sitting all of their players no heading into the playoffs. I think they will. Dan Campbell wants everybody's soul. Well, <laughs> he really does. I'm going to manifest that that they go into Week 18 with a chance to make the playoffs and get that seven seed because I believe the Seahawks play Pittsburgh and Arizona, Pittsburgh and Arizona, but the Rams then play the 49ers at the end of the year. I, I don't could also be sitting. On exactly. A bunch of they could be, but with that loss though, last night, that's, that's a big loss. So yeah. who knows what happens there and, and the Rams, I mean, they, I could see them beating the 49ers the way they're playing. So I don't know what's going to happen either way. If they Settle miss the down. playoffs, I'll just blame it on injuries. If they if they make it, I'll be happy. But, I mean, this has been a lost season for me. What's the bigger injury? The tight end for Minnesota or Waddle in Miami. He's got a high ankle sprain, and he's out for the rest of the regular season. It's got to be Waddle. I mean, they're I a playoff so team. I don't know what the status of Tyreek Hill is. So... Yeah, that's tough. You know, I, mean, I don't know. Tyreek was out. He's the number one guy. Right. So I, I don't know. They have a lot of weapons on that team, but. That's two pretty big weapons that are just. Yeah, exactly. Out. I don't know how much they'd have to rely on the run game. The run game's pretty good, though. You got Raheem Mostert, and A Chain's been injured as well. So I really do think that the winner of the. And this is no, I'm not like some prophet or anything, but like when it comes down to it, whoever's healthy at the end of the year is 
going to win the Super Bowl, like the way that this season has gone. Who's got the healthiest QB, the last man standing? <laughs> That's literally <laughs> what it is. This thing. It's pretty much how it works. And it could be the Cleveland Browns who uh, have Joe Flacco as their quarterback. We mentioned him earlier today, and Joe Flacco said there is no ill will towards the Jets. He's happy where he's at. He was that? not resigned by the Jets, and then they host the Jets on Thursday night. So the, he was... You think they could have used him this year? Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. They they may have been able to hang on to a playoff hope had they had Flacco. He's pretty darn good, man. He's a very simple quarterback, but he's also a guy that doesn't lose you games. Exactly. I mean, he manages the game. He's yeah. your typical game manager. Yeah. He's found ways to win. Yeah. Cleveland has won three straight. Yeah. Cleveland's I'm, on fire, man. They are. And th- with that defense, they could do some damage. So I brought this up earlier, but Jamie, it sounds like you have heard the story about Gretzky inviting the Russians over to his house and uh, like the KGB came and then he ended up because they couldn't they weren't allowed to drink. So that's what it was. Yeah. So I'll tell you this about I played in Russia, Dan, if you didn't know that. And uh, they've told me some great stories from Russia and they're extremely strict on alcohol consumption for their players so much so that they'll take the entire team and bust it out to a place they call the Baza. It's basically an army barracks. It's located in the middle of nowhere and they have fences around it and they have dogs running in the yard. So players can't leave to go get drunk night before a game tell tell the listeners where you were living well i was living at the rink in the literally living at the rink so the the boiler room which had the hot water tank in it which was massive was in the middle of my room and i had a little doorway and i had a little area where i had a bed and a couch and that was it i had a shower but you couldn't shower because the water was so bad that if you got it in your mouth it was like poisonous seriously in in that spot now i could shower in the locker room the water was okay there so i would walk down sometimes at like midnight walking around this arena all by myself and like go to the (laughs) locker room go take a shower i'd play cards with a military guy who was there and we'd couldn't speak to each other, but we drank vodka almost every night and played cards. <laughs> so <laughs> when you got paid, oh boy! So when you got paid, you had to worry about your your paycheck too, correct? Oh yeah, you have to worry. So they would pay you and then try to steal it back. So they would pay you like before training, and that's one thing they never tell me when training was. So they would just come on like knock at the door and be like, "Training." You're like, "Okay, all right." So I, you know, bring out the gimp basically. They go down and they'd hand you your bag of cash. And they'd want you to just kind of turn around, and put it back in the room. So it wasn't direct deposit, wasn't a check. Oh no, it was a bag of cash. And um, did anybody ever take said bag tried. of cash? They tried, but I, I got the heads up from a teammate, uh, from a guy who played there the year before, David Ling. He said mm-hmm. they're going to pay you and try to steal it back. So go hide it. And he had dug a hole into the drywall underneath the fiberglass of the shower that they had put in there. Oh, so he lived there too. Yeah, he was there too. They had him in the same spot. And so I did. I hid the money. And I came back after practice. All my stuff was everywhere. They tried to find the money and steal it back. You're being serious, too. Oh, dead serious. Absolutely. How long did you play there? Oh, one year. And would you have ever gone back? Because uh, the money's pretty spot. good, right? Like it, it, the, the money's great. That's it's what I crazy. mean, yeah. It's, it was more than I was making in the NHL. Wow. And it was all tax-free, and they would just take the... Yeah, I mean, there was like a lot of stuff that was going on. But yeah, it, the, the basically at one point, I was like, you know what? It's like the ultimate game of Survivor. Like, if I manage to get out of here, I get to keep the money. 
That's awesome. <laughs> have there ever been players who have just left? Oh, yeah. Lots of guys can't take it. It's it, brutal. Like, not that, like, hey, guys, like, I'm leaving. It's just like, no, I just hopped on a plane and I'm gone. Yeah, gone. Midnight move. Yeah, 100%. And, like, the, the, the training is off the charts. So we would get up at, like, 7 a.m. and go running outside in the winter. They do, like, a five, oh. they do a five-kilometer run, which is, like, two and a half miles. And then you'd come in and you'd have practice. After practice, you'd work out. Do, like, a circuit around the whole gym. They'd have everybody doing it. Then you'd go have lunch. And then you'd have a second practice that day was like special teams. So you go out there and work power play, penalty kill, and then you'd have a run after that as well. They call it a warm down run, but it wasn't a warm down run. It was like another two miles. Did you have anybody uh, that spoke English? No, not one guy on the team spoke English. The medical guy-ish, I don't know if he was anything really medically, he spoke French. And I could speak French. So I my only form of communication was with the trainer to speak French to him, and he would speak Russian to the players. That's awesome. How fluid is your French? Are you still on it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I graduated French high school, like okay. straight French. Like all of the subjects that I took in school were all taught in French. Wow. So, yeah, I'm... I can certainly speak French, so that was e- that made it easier. And then I learned some Russian, too, when I was there, and I could start to understand and speak some Russian. So the coach, it would be funny because you'd be sitting up there for a power play meeting, and the coach would just be talking Russian. And I'd be thinking about, oh, all right, what do I what do I have to watch <laughs> movies tonight? Who am I going to Skype? I don't know what's going on. Like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Were the guys good to you, though? Yeah, they were fine. Yeah. Yeah, they... You know, they understand. They, they know where I came from, the NHL. So they look at you like, okay, we're not going to mess with this guy. Sure. And they didn't. They were great. And then, you know, a couple of games you go in there, first handful of games that went out, and one of our best players got hit pretty hard. And I just skated over and tuned the guy in. Like, you just didn't. So you got the respect immediately. Well, not a lot of people were doing that in the KHL at the time. Sure. And so the fans loved it, and the players loved it. and They got the Fuvuzelas <laughs> going. <laughs> they had, yeah, they did. And they had, like, a big banner of, like, a Canadian maple leaf with my number in it and all this stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. There's, I mean, stories awesome. for hours. That's awesome. Stories for hours. All right, that's what's trending, and that's my life in Russia here on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Sports Six Pack, so get on your phones and text the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Sports Six Pack, coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. Welcome back to the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Danny Mack, and Andrew Marsh with our sports six pack. Question one, please. Question one, please. <laughs> Question number one. Look at me. I Wake forgot. Up over well, there. I, hey, I got I got criticized last week for jumping the gun. <laughs> you heard before, this, Jamie? Oh, I, I've heard it. Yes. The before Dan, time, like, what is Dan doing? Could ask the question. I, I jumped the gun, and I got I got some flack for it. So. Question one, please. From the two one seven. Has NIL money made much of an impact on college hockey? Do any players go to college instead of junior because of NILs? Um, that's a good question. That's a great question. Maybe. I don't think there's not a 
What about Let's, your major programs? Yeah, even the major ones. Yeah, there, there is some NIL money out there. I, I don't know enough about it, though, to really like comment like in detail. But do I think it's making players go to college instead of junior hockey? I don't see that being a difference maker yet, um, although I could be fooling myself. But I think a lot of these guys... The, to my point earlier today, the college program is a better spot for players to develop. Uh, if the fact that they're getting a little NIL money on the side, or not even on the side, up front, whatever it is now, however you want to word it, then that's probably gravy on top. But I think right now most of the guys are thinking about NHL. Mostly you hear about it in football. Yeah, I haven't heard it being a big difference maker in hockey yet. They have it in golf. I talked to a coach uh, not that long ago from a major program, and I, I asked him, I said, now, NIL money, I, I, they, uh, they're not doing any of that kind of stuff, right, in golf? And he said, absolutely, uh, we are, just to keep kids, you know, yeah. keep them around, and we've got some of the top players, and if you're going to compete with them, you got to find a way to make sure they get a little money in their pocket. So it, even in golf, which is college golf is not seen it, it, it's rarely seen on television yeah even these guys are getting a little bit good for them yeah i i'm totally agree good for them question two please question number two from the 573 when do you think the cards will approach jordan walker with a contract extension Ooh. and what kind of contract do you see them potentially offering him dan i'll defer i thought that they may approach him even before his rookie season um, really? Yeah, I did. I, you know, that's kind of a, a trend that we've seen with certain players, and the hype around Jordan Walker was so big, number one prospect in baseball. And we talk about how these salaries are just exorbitant now. Once you are able to hit free agency, in terms of a comp, maybe what Milwaukee has done with this young kid before he's seen a pitch in the big leagues, they signed him to an extension. You know, the idea is that. You hope that you're saving some money. You're hoping that you buy out the arbitration years and maybe a year or two of free agency. And if the player is what you think he is, then you're going to save some money. On the flip side, a, a player is getting generational type money. You know, they're getting 80 to 90 million dollars, 100 million dollars, and they're saying, why take the risk? I'm one pitch away from getting hit in the face or something crazy yeah. like that and saying, the hell with it. I'm just going to take the money. And I totally understand if they do. You may be leaving a lot on the table, but you're getting generational type money. So if I'm Jordan Walker, I'm not worried too much about leaving money on the table, uh, depending on the amount, of course, right? It's easy for me to say, but but here's why. Is I think that Jordan Walker could sign a long-term deal, and at the end of that deal, still kick the bank. Oh, again. yeah. He'll have another bite at the apple so, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, if if I'm his agent, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, listen, let's be nice. Let's play nice with the Cardinals here. You know, to an extent, let's get market value to what you potentially could be. But let's not go crazy. And we sign a long-term deal. Let's say it's an eight-year deal. And at the end of that eight years, he's still sitting there. He's got the Albert Pujols kind of going. He's in the prime of his you career. You know what I'm saying? I'm yes. not comparing him to Albert, but I'm the situation to where Albert all of a sudden was able to cash in after he cashed in with the Cardinals. You know, Walker's, what, 21, 22 years old. He'd be in the prime of his career still, 29, 30. Yep. You're getting another bite at the apple, and you go for it. Uh, I, I, I've i always felt like in baseball, if they offer you that money, especially if you're a pitcher, 
especially yeah, no if you're a pitcher and they offer you a contract extension then oh yeah you go ahead and do that like the uh 636 says acuna a good example he got 10 years 100 million with as good a player he is and you'd think that that's not going to stop anytime soon that's an unbelievable deal for the braves but the guy got a hundred million dollars you know, at some point, like what? How much is enough? And just to sign it and move on. Yeah. And how old is he? Acuna is probably in his twenty-four season, maybe. He'll still have another chance to sign sure. another contract. It may sure. not be a, a massive, lucrative one, but it'll still be more money. The Cardinals under Mo typically have tried to look at contract extensions in spring training too. You get it done before the season. They target a couple of guys. Some guys go for it. Some guys don't. But. Nothing would surprise me if they did something in the in spring training this year with a, a multiple guys, Goldschmidt being one, maybe Jordan Walker. You know that makes sense. Then they've done that in the past. Question three, please. Question number three from the six three six. What's your funniest Christmas story from years past? Oh boy. Well, I told mine. I don't know if it's funny, but. That's when I can remember. I told mine last week, Marshy. Remember on Friday, the BT was in here. And uh, this was when I had been coaching in the minors and came back and we arrived in the middle of the night. And I've got to put out, you know, some of the last presents for the kids. And uh, I had buried a few bourbons. And anyways, <laughs> end up like basically asleep trying to write things and presents and paper everywhere. And. My then wife comes down and is like, you know, what the hell? It's like, this stuff is not done the way it needed to be. Yeah. Going to full scramble mode. And yeah. So funny now, maybe not funny then. I, uh, I got caught eating Santa's cookies. What? So, um, how dare you? Yeah. You can't do that. And my son, who was probably six or seven at the time, popped out of his bedroom. He was supposed to be sleeping, waiting for Santa saw me eating uh, and taking a drink of Santa's milk and went ballistic. I would have too, Dan. In went fact, absolutely right now ballistic. I want to punch you. Yeah. I don't like you mess with Santa's stuff. I know you can't do that. I can't believe I I'm surprised Santa didn't come in. Really? You did you get a big full core lump press. of coal that got year? a lump of coal, man. You should have too. I did. Lump of coal. Coming my way. It's disgusting. Question four, please. Question number four. Uh, this was from FedEx Colton. Jamie, should we see Big Colt 55 on the power play at some point if they can't get it going? Um, I don't I don't hate the idea. Colton Pareko has done a really good job this year of shooting the puck more and getting it on net. And what has he got? Six goals, I think, already this year. I'll double check that because, you know, I'm a facts guy, Dan. I know you are. Uh, but, up yeah. on all the numbers. Colton Pareko, six goals so far in 33 games. Like Colton Pareko doesn't view the game necessarily like your traditional offensive-minded quarterback defenseman does. But he does get the puck to the net. And if you're going to have a bit of a shot-first mentality, and let's say Scott Perunovic, you know, it doesn't work out or there's an injury, I have no problem putting Colton Pareko out there with Justin Falk. Justin Falk is kind of in that one-timer spot right now. And Colton Pareko, everybody talks about, oh, the 105-mile-an-hour bomb and all that stuff. You don't have to shoot it that hard. Like, you don't. You just have to hit the net. And things happen so could i see him there if things you know continue to trend in a negative way yeah uh could i see him if there's 
you know, an injury? Yeah, I can. Right now, you know, the power play is trending upward. It's got a little uptick going, so I don't think you'll see too much of as far as changes are concerned, but I have no problem with them out there. What was the, the, the number one thing you talked about on the power play when we started the show? Put the puck, Put the puck on net. On net. Yeah. And I'm with you, man. I, I think if they did that more with the first play, the first power play unit, you'd see a different power play period. What people don't understand sometimes, or, or even players don't understand, is the chaos that ensues from a shot on net. So the puck gets behind the defenseman, and you've got bodies and pucks behind you. There's a rebound. You're scrambling now to try and find your coverage. You're scrambling to try and find the puck. And at the same time, you're outnumbered. So the offensive team gets the opportunity to capitalize on a rebound or a block shot or a deflection because there's chaos. And with chaos comes passing lanes. So in order to get to that pretty picture-perfect backdoor tap-in play, it usually comes off of a puck retrieval from a shot on net. And you grab the puck, somebody makes a quick pass out, and then quick pass back, and it's in the net. So the fact that guys overlook the chaos that a shot can create, that's the frustrating part for me. Question five, please. Question number five. From the 314, most likely to happen, the Cards miss the 2024 playoffs or they win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> most likely to happen? I hate to say this. Missing the 2024 playoffs. I, I don't see this Cardinals team as it sits as a World Series contender, especially since... Oh, I don't know. There's a team called the Dodgers out there right now that look pretty good. There's a team called the Braves look pretty good. The Phillies look pretty good. So I'd say the odds are greater that they'd miss the playoffs than winning the World Series. Let me throw this at you. The best team... Don't you throw anything at me. Over 162 games. So the best record in 162 games in 54 seasons, okay? <clears throat> yeah. How many times have they won the World Series? Oh... In how many years? 54. The top team has won it. So the top regular season team. Yeah, I'll say 10. 14. Oh. I was shocked at that. I thought it'd be more than that. Really? Yeah, I guess you would, right? Well, I mean, you're throwing money at it. The Dodgers have an $8.35 billion television deal. Yeah. Guggenheim, Dodger owners, manage over $300 billion in assets. <laughs> They ain't going anywhere, man. No. They're going to spend all the money they want. Yep. And not worry twice about it. And that's where they're going right now. Question six, please. Question number six. All right. This one comes from the 314. Did the Ravens defensive coordinator just earn a head coaching job next year with that performance last night and really all season? Um, I, I would have... I would imagine that he'll, he'd get a look or two. I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know. I was looking the other like, day. It's like 15 coordinators and head coaches switch spots from last year. Yeah, it's a lot of movement. I mean, if you have success and you're a coordinator, you're the, the hot coach that's out there and your team is deficient but on one end or the other, you're going to get hired. But identify the job availability, right? Because right now it's the Chargers and the Raiders, I think, that have, you know, that are interim or whatever the case is. And if you look at both of those teams, they need an offensive guy. Like, I'm not bringing in a defensive coordinator again to coach Justin Herbert. Agreed. I'm just in not. that regard. Yeah, I, I want an offensive-minded guy who can come in there and take Justin Herbert to the next level. 
And you, if I'm looking at the Raiders, I'm thinking the same thing. The I Raiders, like, they, who do they have as quarterback right now? They've got a guy that looks like he was my drive-through attendant at McDonald's one day. Antonio <laughs> Pierce has been really good, though, as the head coach he of the does. Raiders. He has, but I, I think he stays on as head coach. So then it limits. Now you're back to the Chargers. Why would the Chargers go hire a defensive coordinator for a head coach? Job? Why? I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Where does Bill Belichick wind up in this? Well, Bill Belichick would be, I guess, the exception to my rule at that point. I think that if you brought him into San Diego or That's San where Diego, I to, see into it. L.A. with the charge, I keep calling him San Diego. I don't ever want them to leave there. Hmm. I didn't either. Yeah. But I think Bill Belichick would be the exception to the rule. And I think Bill would bring in somebody who could work really well with Justin Herbert. I think that Bill knows how important that guy would be for the quarterback. So. I don't know if I'd want to give Bill Belichick the keys to my franchise in terms of draft. You know what I mean? I, he's look at the personnel. Well, he's not a great GM. That the personnel right now on that team is not very good. I agree. I thought that before the Patriots fire him, I thought that maybe Bob Kraft would bring in a GM and say, "Bill, you're our head coach, and we brought help." In the GM and you got to phrase it as help. Yeah, because you can keep the title, but this guy's going to run the show. Co-GM with you. Good luck uh, trying to sell that, though. Oh well, or you can go away, Bill. But that'll be your choice. Then you will leave. We won't be firing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's on you, Bill. That has been the uh, sports six pack, please. It has been. Well done, Danny. Well done, Danny. I was kind of confused. I was waiting for the next question again. I think that was it, wasn't this, it? This whole new version had me so perplexed for a second. Me too at the beginning. All right. It's time for biggest question of the day coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We got about uh, 20 minutes or so left here. Danny Mack, Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh. Marshy, it's time for biggest question of the day. I'm expecting a serious performance from you here. Yeah, so tonight we have the guaranteed rate bowl. Pre-game starting at 7.30. However, it's not the bowl game that I'm looking forward to this week. I'm looking forward to the Mizzou-Ohio State game on Friday. And we know that Mizzou has cashed in with the transfer portal. We did get a question, an extra question for our sports six pack. So Dan, if you would like to throw to question number seven. Question seven, please. From the 314, do you think the transfer portal is going to get out of hand? Yeah. It already is. (laughs) We're already there. They got another one today. I believe it was today, this afternoon. Mizzou got a uh, defensive lineman from Florida. So how is Mizzou doing this? Because I don't understand how they get all the NIL money, right? Because people are saying, well, this is where you're going to see Mizzou's NIL money kick in. This is an in-state thing that they, and I I cannot get in the particulars, but they do have an advantage over other schools to an extent with some of the uh, regulations that they have with the state of Missouri. I think. I'm not positive about that. Oh, no, Dan, I want you quoted on here. No, 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 no. a legal disclaimer. No, sir. No, sir. I'm just trying to figure out how, because some of these other colleges, like you'd have to imagine that some of them have like so much money available. 
But then here's Mizzou, little old Mizzou in Columbia going, no, no, we're fine. We're going to just, oh, I don't know, pick your pocket and pay these guys. They have in the transfer portal, I think they are ranked number one right now in terms of, you know, four or five star guys, you know, starters, They the, the compilation that they put together for, you know, guy played this many minutes, this many snaps, whatever. But I think they're number one right now in the country. Really? Which is unbelievable. Well, I know that every big player seems to be all of a sudden announcing via Instagram that they're going to be Missouri Tigers. And so, okay, so then my biggest question to both of you guys on the heels of this NIL question is, is next year a make it or break it for Mizzou football? College like, football playoff. Well, 12 that's the teams, end. they better get in. That's what I'm, that, that would be the make it or break it for me. But like, is it not higher be, than that? Based on like know, Luther man. Burden will be gone after next year. They're going to lose players. They're going to like these guys that they're bringing in through the transfer portal are difference maker players. You don't think they're going to have aspirations of getting to the NFL quickly? Yeah, I mean once they're done with their eligibility, which most of these guys next year is the last. Th- so you're asking me what make or break is for me? Yeah, and it's getting into the college football playoff, and then I'll, then where? I'll take my chance. I mean, I'm 12th? not talking about them. Yeah, that's fine. Ah. They don't have to be number one in the country. Mm-hmm. I want to see them get to the expansion of the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Marcy, uh, yeah, I mean, just get in. You never know what happens. That seems to be the theme around these parts. But yeah, that's true. I think for them, like, th- what has Mizzou done in the past ten years? Like, this is the best season that they've had. And if they continue to build and build and build, even if they, yeah, let's say they're the 12th seed, or which I think would go to the group of five, but let's just say they're the bottom of the power five conferences, they're still in. I mean, they're better than the majority of college football teams. I yeah. think you can build off of that. And I think they're building off of what they did this year. They didn't even make the college football playoff. Obviously, you know, there's only four teams this year compared to well, 12 next year. So it's a little bit different, but I think just getting there, and having their name in the discussion will help build their program. And, I mean, I don't think you can go. I think the, the worst thing they could do is just fall flat, especially with the schedule they have coming up next year. I mean, they, they, they should be in the college football playoff with their schedule. I agree. So just getting in is not enough for me. It's not. I'm looking at a team right now that's currently ranked ninth without all these transfers and these mm-hmm. guys, these studs that they've been able to recruit. I'm sorry. For me – if it's, it's 12 teams next year, it has to be sixth or better in the nation. They got to get a I running back. I want them back. to be at the top end of the playoff. I Go. mean, it's fair. It's shooting high. I just think mm-hmm. you get in and then yeah, top 12 I mean, is pretty, pretty darn good. With an attitude like that, Dan, yeah. it'll never, you'll never win a championship. I agree. It's, it's make me sick. Do you, do you think, Dan, do you think they need... <laughs> get over it. Do you think they need a running back that can well, replicate... Well, they got to replace, what, what's with, his name, Schrader. Yeah, well, I don't know Schrader where you're going to find that guy, though. Right, that's what I'm saying. But like, didn't they just get somebody through the transfer portal too? Well, I'm saying, can he replicate? Can they well, find a back that can replicate? That's gonna be hard Schrader to replicate did. a nearly Heisman Trophy yeah. season. Well, that's that's the thing, though. Like, I feel like they need to because some some of the games this year they they really relied on him to take some of the some of the workload off yeah. of um, off Cook. of the of Brady Cook and yeah. the, the rest of the offense. I just think that aspirations for me have to be higher. If they're ninth in the country this year, it's got to be better than ninth. No, that's fair. With the team that they're going to field next year, with the expectations that I have, anyways, is I, I think they got to be better than ninth. I can't imagine a Mizzou season being expectation-wise in the last fifty years being this high. 
I agree. Um, they had really good teams, obviously. They got to number one in the country with Chase Daniel and Macklin and some of the great players that they had, but not like this. Not like how the transfer portal has changed things. Um, the recruiting class is really good. Their wide receiving core, that that is what's interesting to me. I mean, they've got a bunch of five, four, and three-star guys coming back or will be introduced to the program, and that's going to be something that you watch for looking forward to next season but get me in the college football playoff and let's see what happens yeah i agree look it's it's, for me it's exciting to be talking about a mizzou team that's relevant yeah i agree i mean really like coming into this season i was as pessimistic as anybody i was i didn't even think they'd get six wins i didn't either (laughs) i didn't either so you know chew on that for a while jamie as they come out and they fall ninth in the nation now and they're gonna be playing in a major bowl so Good for them. I just I, I would love to see them have a, a season that you know gets them not just in the playoffs, but they could actually you know do some damage. Do, yeah. they, do they need to win a game for you then? I don't know if they. Yes, if I'm wanting them to finish you know better than ninth, then I would yeah. expect them or would like them to win one playoff mm-hmm. game, which would help if they. I mean, to your logic, it would help if they hosted that first round, too. That, that'd be huge for, for the program. Are you guys intrigued Imagine at all? Pose? Oh. oh, my gosh. <laughs> what would the cover? Yeah, the cover be got, 100 bones. Yeah, we've got to pay that NIL money. If you, you guys Luther Burton running out the Harpo's t-shirt. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> that place would be rocking. Um, are you guys intrigued with the, the bowl game this week with Ohio State? I am. I mm-hmm. just want them to absolutely pummel Ohio State. I do. For all the crap and all the whining and the complaining and all that, and then players not playing, I want Mizzou to go in there and just put the friggin' wheels to them. Marvin Harrison, by the way, they had their first practice maybe today, I guess it was, for Ohio State, and he did not take part in that, which changes a lot Yeah, when you talk about how good Ohio State is. It would be bad, though, if they lost with all those guys out. It would be. You're right. We'll find out when that comes up here on Friday night. All right, we're going to take our last break here. We come back, we're going to have what you miss, criticism, compliments, and whatever else we think of here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here on 101 ESPN, what you missed today. We uh, recapped our holidays. We talked about our Christmas Day and other a couple other things we we did. We talked about the Blues with their epic comeback against the Chicago Blackhawks. We also talked Blues cues. We have a number of questions that were answered there. Talked about this Blues team under Coach Drew Bannister. We also hit the NFL, talked a little bit about the Pick'em Challenge. We talked a little bit about Brock Purdy and whether he slid out of the MVP discussion. We talked about Lamar Jackson, whether he is the favorite now in the MVP discussion. A little smoke and mirrors. We had our very own Joey Vitale on. You can catch all of these things on the podcast. Go to 101ESPN.com. Go to the mobile app. Download the podcast. All that brought to you by Dobbs, Tire, and Auto. All right, Marshy, time for criticisms and compliments. 
Yeah, real quick, want to give a shout out to my lovely girlfriend. It's her birthday today. Yes. Oh, yeah. What's your girlfriend's name again? Rachel. Rachel. Happy birthday, so Rachel. Happy birthday to her. Going to make her uh, a nice dinner tonight. Nice. Very so romantic. I will be cooking. It's kind of a should be interesting. Tough day to have a birthday because you're the day after Christmas. Yeah. You get short change, maybe. You do, or maybe you get extra. That's true, too. You never know, right? Look at it the positive way. Maybe put Peter positive. I mean, nothing's greater than an evening alone with Andrew Marsh who's cooking. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Going to make some pasta, a little chicken in there. Nice. It's going to be great. So. A little vino, maybe? A little bubbly? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see, how, we'll see what's going on tonight. All right. Does she so. like the uh, mustache, Marshy? She does. Okay. She does. It's extra thick there you this go. time of year, too. It's so. old school. Your lip sweater. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so let's uh, <laughs> let's get to some criticisms and compliments from the three one four. Jamie, love to give you crap, but way to keep the kid in check. This is in reference to the gauntlet you beat Reed. Um, he's 11 years old. Uh, can't let him get too big for his britches. That's right. I don't. <clears throat> I don't like home. it. One bit, and that's why Reed's going to come back tomorrow. We're going to give him a shot because he got random today. And that's tough on an old 11-year-old, so let's give him a shot at hockey or baseball or football. Ask him about a book that he's never read yet, hasn't come through school yet. All sorts of great things. Uh, so you mentioned that Reed would get a, an extra chance tomorrow because of uh, he got random. He wanted hockey. Or Woo. Bless you, Bless you, Marcy. Thank you. Sorry. You did uh, your best there, too. Nice try. I tried. Yeah. Um, but he wanted hockey or football. But. He got random. Uh, but we did get a text from the 206. He should get a chance to whoop Jamie's butt in any category he chooses. He doesn't give a crap about Marsh, Dan, or Carrie Davis. All right. Mm. That's fine. We'll, we'll let Reed decide tomorrow. He's got his pick of the litter tomorrow. There you go. We did uh, a criticism from six one eight. No, what a worthless show today. <laughs> no answers to why the Cards don't care to win championships yeah, anymore. Because uh, that's extremely topical on a day where there's absolutely no baseball news, let alone Cardinal news. Let's just oh I don't know. Let's just keep kicking the cat down the road here as we worry about John Mozeliak and yeah. his unwinning ways and the Dewitts not spending money because that's what everybody wants to hear today is just useless banter about the Cardinals. And we did talk about the Cardinals. Yeah, we, we talked did. about Jordan Walker. We talked about Mo. We did. Maybe we'll spend four hours tomorrow bashing the Cards. Just, that's it. Nothing the but bashing season. the Cards because I know that's what everybody wants to hear. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to it's it. winning radio. One uh, more, please. Last one from Chris from the Snake Pit. He watched the Gophers win the Quick Lane Bowl. Good game. I'm sure all the friends are happy. I, I, I'll tell you what, I got a lot of friends that were tuned into that game, and they were very pleased with the way that that transpired. And so far, they're very <laughs> pleased on what's happening with uh, Texas State, up 21-7 on Rice. All right, that's it for us today. Danny Mack, thank you for jumping in. Tomorrow will be Thanks, Kerry buddy. Davis and myself alongside Andrew Marsh here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.